You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It's time for the ESO Dragon Con Report, a podcast dedicated to help newcomers and veterans prepare for the upcoming annual convention in downtown Atlanta. With interviews, advice, and news from the pros and fans alike, be careful, you never know, you might actually learn something. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of the ESO 2014 Dragon Con Con Report. Dragon Con 2014 is only 60 days away. Oh! Oh! I was going to ask, are you ready? No! <laughs> obviously not. Obviously Damn you, not. Gordon. Don't ask obvious questions. <laughs> I've got hot glue everywhere. And he hasn't even started working on the costume yet. No, I haven't. <laughs> well, then it's time, Darren. It's time. It's past time, I know. So um, I'm your host, Mike Gordon. I'm pleased to introduce you to the rest of our station crew, uh, starting, of course, with director Mike Faber. Hey, everybody. Got 60 <laughs> days. Wow. I know, really. It just, it, these, it just, time has flown. I can't even believe it myself. I'm just amazed that it's, it's that little bit of time it but you know because it just feels like summer just started and we're talking about something that's end the end of summer already yeah that's true so yeah. it's it's just amazing to me i'm looking forward to it of course but you know it's just it's i have so much to do and so many events before that even and so i'm just like how the hell am i gonna fit this all in <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, uh, we're also very pleased, of course, to have joining us once again is Darren Noel. Thank you, Darren. Hi, everybody. How are you? I want everyone to hear my happy voice. Yes. You're not going to have it for that long. I won't. Um, But uh, I want people to hear that, you know, not everything is about bad things. So listen to my happy voice. Yeah, and let me, can I tell you a quick story? I know, you're, I know we're doing intros real quick. Sure. I went to Heroes Con this past weekend and I was leaving the show Saturday night. I was dressed as Wonder Warrior. You which of course got, too, by the way. Thank you. You love my legs. I know. I do. Uh, Doesn't everybody? E- everyone did. It was amazing. I've never had my picture taken that much before in my life, including Dragon. And this cute girl walked up to me in her Captain America gear. She was wearing the Winter Soldier Captain America outfit. Sure. And and called me the hero of Heroes Con to her, and I just nearly lost it. Wow. So it's moments like that that offset other moments that I'll be talking about later. Yeah, it's a good show, and uh, it's a good uh, good way to get excited and prepped for Dragon Con, too. It is. It yeah. is. I need another set of gel insoles. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. It's like a trial run, right? Yeah, it was a trial run, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. <laughs> Of course, also we have with us the lovely Mary Lou Who. Did she just drop off? Mary? <laughs> oh, Mary. What? what? She just dropped off. Hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the button. Hit the button. That was so funny. Oh, no. sorry. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> bad. Uh, the mute and hang up are right next to each other. <laughs> it, they really are. I, it is I am tired of these guys. Click. Yep. <laughs> Bye. So, wow, the so show Mary, just started and she's already sick of us. No, really, though, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. So, Mary, where do you stand on, on your costumes? Are you panicking? Um, I should be, but I'm not yet. <laughs> but that's mostly because I haven't done anything yet. Uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Denial, denial is strong in this one. It is. It's so strong. You're well, really while I'm, I'm glad y'all could join us. And, you know, while we're contemplating how much work we actually have ahead of us in the next 60 days, on this episode, we're going to feature an interview with Star Wars track director Brandi Rhodesy um, and find out what's going on with her track. The Star Wars uh, franchise is back. There's new movies coming out. So obviously her room is going to be hopping. Uh, and later on, we're going to also chat with our friend Kevin Batchelder, host of the Dragon Con for Newbies Facebook group. He's going to talk and, and give us some hints and helpful uh, information about getting around the con. And we're also going to talk with Zan Bowden. She's uh, new to the show, and she has some information for us that she wants to share about how to get a room this close to the con dates, uh, whether you're uh, going to try to get a room late at the host hotels or room with someone. And in our cosplay snapshot segment, we are going to feature Rick, a.k.a. the true Aquaman. Aquaman! He's awesome, So, uh, and he's got a great story to tell, so um, that's a, a real plus for us. So we're glad to have him on the show. Uh, this Earth Station One special report is sponsored by the ESO Amazon eStore, where you can find all sorts of cool, geeky merchandise. If you're ordering some swag from Amazon, help us out by going through our link. It doesn't cost you any more, and it helps us out. Just go if, to our website. Yep. If you would like to leave feedback or comment on the show, please call our ESO feedback line at 404-963-9057. Or feel free to email us at esopodcast at gmail.com. Uh, now we're going to get started with some news, notes, and important dates. Uh, June 30th is when guest applications close. So if you're listening to this now, uh, it, most likely if you have not applied, you are, uh, you're shot at being a guest. This year is over. Sorry. Uh, better luck next year. But um, also July 13th is a volunteer meeting. It's not too late to get involved. So if you can't be a guest but you still want to take part in the convention, uh, July 13th, they're having a meeting. All the track directors will be there, and all everybody is still looking for volunteers. Also, July 18th coming up is the final day of the $115 membership rate. Uh, after that, they go up to 130 and I think they're even more than that uh, at the convention itself. So if you still want to try to get in for as cheap as possible, and there's still uh, plenty. Of, they always talk about capping the event, uh, but I've never actually seen it happen. But we, you certainly don't want this to be the year where you lose out because they've capped it because all of a sudden uh, membership rates are just they've sold too many. So uh, try to get your passes by July 18th. And those are the important dates. Also, uh, they announced the date for the Dragon Con night at the Georgia Aquarium. It is August 30th. It is going to be from 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, now, tickets for this are um, a different, uh, a separate price. Just because you're a member doesn't mean you have, um, it allows you access to the aquarium that night. You have to uh, pay $25 in advance. 
Uh, there's also a uh, $30 uh, ticket at the door, so you want to try to get those in advance. Uh, $75 for a VIP package for that. Uh, you can purchase them in advance at the Georgia Aquarium website, georgiaaquarium.org slash DragonCon. We'll have a link for that in our show notes. Um, and if you've never been to the aquarium or you've never been to DragonCon night at the aquarium, it's really something special. They have a lot of uh, people in costume. There's a lot of great cosplay opportunities that you can have around the aquarium, the tanks and everything. So if, like, we're going to interview Rick later, if you have an Aquaman costume or something that's related to the sea, it's very cool. You will get some uh, photo ops there that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Um, also... There's uh, mood lighting. Uh, there's a DJ. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that's going on. They haven't really specified exactly what the uh, music's going to be or who the DJ or that information yet. Uh, the VIP package, they did say, uh, does uh, include not only admission to the aquarium, private lounge area with scenic, intimate views of the animal gallery, open bar. Hello? I'm there. Bar. What? Uh, what? The bar's <laughs> open? What? Yeah. Got, what? I know that got your attention. Uh, light bites and limited edition Dragon Con collectible pin. So, and there's going to be a shuttle that's going to go from the Marriott Marquis, drop you off right there, and then pick you up and take you right back to the Marriott. So, it's a great event. I think this is the third year that they've done this, fourth year, but it's always well attended, and uh, you'll definitely want to check that out. Again, for more information, just go to the Dragon Con website itself or go to the georgiaaquarium.org site. Um, and another piece of news that I wanted to let you know about is on the DragonCon website, they uh, have information about fan photo ops. Uh, Brian Humphrey, our good friend that's been on the show in years past, uh, is a uh, mad scientist with a camera. That's what he calls himself. Uh, and he's great. I mean, he takes some of the best photos uh, of anybody at the con. Um, but uh, they're doing an event for fan photo ops. Um, it's a partnership with DragonCon where they offer – the chance for fans to have uh, photo ops throughout the show to capture all of your costumes. Uh, he's going to be set up at the Marriott from 5 p.m. to midnight on Thursday. Uh, and uh, he's got uh, 12 noon to midnight on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and from noon to 5 on Monday. So uh, there's different pricing depending on what kind of uh, package you want. Uh, $75 is an individual photography multipass. Uh, this is if you want to pose in multiple individual sessions with multiple costume changes. Um, you get a DragonCon logo jump drive with the purchase of this with all your uh, images on it. Um, there's also uh, another pass. It's $130 for a couple uh, photography multipass. Basically, it's the same thing, only there's you know two of you, obviously. So uh, multipasses are limited to five shots per day. Um, individual group shots are also going to be available prices to be announced on that. So if you want to find more information about that, or if you want to secure a multi-pass from Brian and DragonCon, just go to the DragonCon website. And again, we are going to have a direct link to those photo ops, uh, on our, on our show notes as well. So, so that's, uh, all the big news, uh, that's happened as far as the, um, announcements from DragonCon, although they did hint today and I was, I looked at the DragonCon Facebook page and I was kind of like, man, I wish we were recording in a couple days because they did hint that they've got some huge announcement to drop on us uh, this week. 
So I'm not sure exactly when it's when it's going to be, if it's guest related or if it's an event that's going to happen there or what specifically. They didn't really uh, give us a clue that way, but there is something big that's going to be announced this week. So uh, by the time you're listening to it, you may already know what it is. But uh, we're in the dark as far as that goes right now. But well, you uh, never know. We might add a little bit to the end of the show. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to be recording in a couple of days, depending on what it is. Editing. Uh-huh. Mm. So, uh, unfortunately, since we've been recording uh, the last episode, not all the information that has come out of DragonCon has been great news. And uh, for something specific that happened... Darren, I, I know that you uh, have a personal connection with the, an event that happened uh, la- since the last time we recorded. I, I, I do. Is that my cue? That is your cue, That sir. is my cue. Okay, well, here goes the happy voice. It's gone now. All right. So uh, I have a few disclaimers before I begin this because I feel like it's a DragonCon-related problem, not necessarily a DragonCon itself problem. But it's a problem. So, but I also know it's a first world problem. You know what I mean? Uh, there, there are bigger issues than this in the world. So let's all take this with a grain of salt and understand in the framework in which it's meant. But hopefully, I'm speaking for a lot of people this year and a lot of people in the past that this has happened to. Um, more disclaimers. Um, I have to confess before I start on this that the Hyatt has always been my least favorite hotel, the DragonCon Hotels. I, I have always felt that the staff there were always less welcoming to Dragon Con people um, in general. Uh, that may just be I've had bad run-ins with them and I've had better run-ins with other hotel staff. I don't know, but I don't know if anyone else shares that. But that was a uh, prejudice that I carried into this conversation before this event occurred. Um, another thing, um, I don't need to have a hotel room. I, I live – um, two miles from Dragon Con. But I was sharing a hotel room with uh, three friends of mine who live in uh, areas that are 800 to 900 miles away from Dragon Con. So they do need the hotel room. And lo and behold, of course, they got caught in the Great Hyatt um, cancellation sweep that happened uh, in early June, late May, where. Uh, the events that I will extol to you now are what I know occurred. Um, we got, quote-unquote, lucky <laughs> enough to get a reservation at the Hyatt because um, we tried to get into all the other hotels and were shut out of the reservations completely. Um, they were just up and gone before we managed to get through the various passkey systems and such. So we, we know that hotel space at Dragon is at a premium, and it's getting worse and worse every year. Um, I do know that there was enough funding on the card that was on this reservation to handle the entire five-night charge plus tax. It was good to go. Um, there, there was no real contact between the Hyatt and uh, the reservation holder, um, except for the fact that, hey, if you make sure you have your deposit ready or you're, you're, you'll be canceled. Um, and, of course, the money was there, plenty of time. It stayed there. Um, there was an email received. Um, and it basically said, we've lost your reservation because your card did not got, go through. And I find the word lost really interesting there. Not we've canceled your reservation. We've lost your reservation. Um, and no phone call was made by the Hyatt to fix this prior to the Hyatt losing the reservation. 
And I, I say losing because when you called the Hyatt up to talk to them about, hey, what happened to the reservation, they couldn't find a record of the reservation in their system, first of all. Uh, phrases like, oh, we have no record. Um, it appears that it's lost. Um, I work in business, and most of us do. Um, we typically keep better records than this for financial transactions. So, Didn't they have a confirmation know. number? They had a confirmation number, yes, but the confirmation number was supposedly pulling nothing up in their system. That's okay. So you have you have this piece of paper that says you have a reservation, but and I'll get to the real pissy part of this later. And I might drop a few f bombs as we get more and more into this. So kids, cover your ears. Um, my friend called several times, attempted several times to discuss this with the Hyatt and try to get the reservation back, and um, typically got more and more hostile customer service representatives on the phone and was told that the manager was unavailable to be speaking to, to be spoken to. Could not connect us to anyone higher. Called corporate, and corporate said, well, the reservation seems to be gone. So corporate had the same story that the local hotel was giving us. Um, corporate did attempt like weeks after uh, the reservation was canceled, and this is after this bungle got on Channel 2, and I have that link, and we can add it to the show notes, Mr. Favor, if you'd like, um, that once it was exposed that all these people lost their reservations, and no one really knows how many, but my social media was full of this the day it happened like people were losing their reservations left right and center and if you go to the hyatt's facebook page there are complaints there from many people and i think they truncated at a certain point and start repeating them if you just scroll through them because i kept seeing the same people's complaints over and over again um many people said they were told that they gave the room away to someone who was on the wait list and that doesn't jive with what people said earlier which is that there was no waitlist because you couldn't ask to be put on a waitlist because the Hyatt didn't keep a waitlist because they had already sold out the hotel. So now we're getting the story of we canceled the reservation because your card wasn't good, and we gave your hotel room away um, to someone else because they were on our waitlist. Okay? So we have two conflicting stories here. Um, so here's, here's my list of the problems. Um, unfortunately, until they take the deposit, you really don't have a legal standing to say, I'm going to sue you in court, um, for making me think I had a reservation for six months before an event only to cancel it 90 days before the event is to take place. There's absolutely nothing you can do because money has not exchanged hands. Um, and that, that's meaning legally there's nothing you can do, um, which leaves you with the other things you can do. Um, I, I think that this issue of the deposits not being taken out at the time that you make your reservation has got to change. I think that the other hotels take your deposit right away. The Hyatt should too. The Hyatt should not wait six months because these reservations were made back in October to inform you that you're not able to get your hotel room now because something magically went wrong with your card. And that's really what sticks in my craw is they're blaming the customer for this. When the customer can easily verify there was nothing wrong with my card. And their, their answer is, oh, well, we lost the reservation. 
Really? Really? So, um, there's a lot of people who get hurt by this kind of behavior. Obviously, the people who had the reservations who lost their reservations. And I'm sure maybe some people did actually have a problem with their, with their card. That happens, unfortunately. But that wasn't everybody. Not everybody who goes to Dragon has crap going on with their banking account at the same time, magically like that. Um, the issue now becomes if you're traveling from a far distance away to come to Atlanta and you're only going to get able to get into the Hyatt for your reservation, do you pay for your badge ahead of time? Because the badges are non-refundable, non-transferable, and non-movable to the next year. Do you hold off on that badge? Because now, instead of getting a room at con rate, you're having to try to find a room nearby to the con, which is going to be double the con rate right now. We actually, the Hyatt actually, Hyatt corporate booked us into the Hyatt Buckhead and said it's only five miles away. It's actually a 10-mile trip between Hyatt Buckhead and Hyatt Regency. So it wasn't five. It was 10. And everyone who's dealt with Atlanta traffic through Buckhead and Midtown knows that's probably a 30, 40-minute cab ride each way, especially on a busy weekend like Labor Day weekend. So that was kind of useless. They skipped over the Hyatt that's actually in Midtown, which is close to my house, which, you know, why would I stay there if if my house is actually closer than the Hyatt Midtown. But anyway, um, the other people who are going to be kind of, who should be really ticked off are the dealers in the dealer's room. If, if I'm coming to a con and I'm expecting to spend X amount of dollars on my hotel and I budget accordingly, and then 90 days before I get to the con, I am told that, by the way, oh, now I've got to find a room somewhere else and my room is now $200 more a night. I'm not going to be buying utility kilts. I'm not going to be buying lightsabers. I'm not going to be buying, you know, Pokemon cards. I'm not going to be buying D&D miniatures. All that is going to go on hold because if I'm coming to the con, all the money I have has got to go to the increase in my hotel room that was not budgeted back in October. Hard to plan on a $250 increase in 90 days. Um, and who else should be ticked about this? Well, Dragon Con should be ticked at this. Um, I I just think, and I know Dragon Con's kind of got a weird. Um, they are beholden to these hotels because there are obviously contracts signed. I don't know the details. I don't want to know the details, and I'm not affiliated with Dragon Con in any way whatsoever. Yay! But um, Dragon Con should be really concerned about the way that their affiliate business partners treat their customers. And they can take a hands-off approach and say, well, this happens every year. There's always people who know. If you tolerate this behavior year after year after year from one of your business partners, you're kind of complicit in what's going on here. This needs to be fixed. Just like DragonCon fixed registration, they can fix this. They can step in and help fix this. Get another hotel to become a partner. Get more rooms. Expand the footprint of DragonCon to a sixth hotel. There are more hotels down there now. You can do that. There are people staying in the Malia, the Alofs, the Ritz, all those other hotels down there. There are going to be Dragon Con attendees in them now because there is no room in the inn. Um, 
the Hyatt really should be upset about this behavior, but they probably aren't. And here's my theory, and it's just a theory. The Hyatt intentionally overbooks their hotel. Yeah, intentionally. I said that. Um, This way, what they're planning on doing is if they have however many rooms, let's say they have 2,000 rooms. I don't know the number. If they have 2,000 rooms and they book 3,500 people in the hotel, and let's say 1,000 of them cancel, they still have 500 extra people left over to fill the rest of the hotel between October and June when they decide to run the deposit. So they're covered no matter when this happens. They still keep a full hotel. Now, knowing full well that the hotel is probably going to sell out for Dragon Con because it's Dragon Con. Why can't you tell people in October that you sold out the hotel and unfortunately they got a pass key reservation by mistake? I would be much more forgiving if this happened in October than I am right now in June when you know darn well when you run those numbers oh crap we have 3,500 reservations for Dragon Con and only 1,500 rooms something's wrong and everyone sits around and goes well maybe everyone will cancel and they wait and they wait and they don't tell anyone anything and then you have to wake up one morning to discover you got a system generated email telling you that your good credit card was wrong somehow. Really? Really? So here's my advice. Um, Because this has been going on for a while, and I know Marriott had a problem with the passkey when it came out as well. Um, They seem to have quasi-fixed their problem by taking the deposit early as well now. But my advice... And, and this is a radical piece of advice, I must admit. But um, my advice is ignore the Hyatt for reservations. Um, let the football team players and fans have the Hyatt. Relinquish Mordor. Leave it to be. Um, I would much rather spend my money in another hotel and secure a reservation in October that I know is going to be valid. Um, that's a little higher than the con rate. Then wait until I get that email that informs me that the, the room that used to be booked is now magically gone. Um, I am willing to pay a little more to make sure that I have a secure reservation as opposed to in June having to pay double what my original reservation was supposed to be. Um, there are other hotels nearby. Book with them. Um, and you can say, well, this happens. And, you know, it's, it's sad that it happened to you. Um, it's been happening to people every year since Passkey started, and I understand they have to have some kind of a system to work this out, but this is now ridiculous. It is irresponsible. It is unprofessional. It is unethical to let your customers wait six months to discover that their reservation is no longer valid. And then to sit around and say, well, you know, that's Dragon Con. No, that's unacceptable. I would not accept that from any other place I went on a vacation at. And if I'm going to spend $1,000 of my hard-earned money on a convention, I can go to San Diego. I can go to Gen Con. There are other cons to go to. Maybe I'd have a problem with my hotel there too, but it wouldn't be my money going to the Hyatt, which it's not going to ever again, which means I can't have a bucket of rum now. But that's okay because I haven't eaten a Chick-fil-A sandwich since early 2000. 
I can do this. Well said, sir. Sorry that all happened to you, but you're absolutely right to uh, to bring attention to it. Uh, unfortunately, it is one of the drawbacks to the event where um, I think they do need to look at. Um, you know, other conventions have uh, uh, hotel um, uh, procedures, uh, process for getting hotels. Uh, I go to San Diego. I've been there the last, you know, two or three years and uh, much bigger convention and the way they handle hotels is, uh, I mean, it's still the demand is there, mm-hmm. but it seems like it's a little bit more organized where it's going through, you know, one entity rather than rather than uh, the four separate hotels on different days. And yeah, I mean, it yeah. is crazy. I mean, you should completely it's completely Hunger Games is what it yeah. is. It's Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah you get you is. get your room or you don't get your room. And if you don't get your room, well, may the odds ever be in your favor. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just. I'm so frustrated that there's been – and year after year this happens and year after year the poor people that this happens to, including me, um, this year are kind of eh, whatever. But I'm kind of tired, so I'm taking a stand on it. So let well, me say nothing more about it because it is not going to ruin my Dragon Con. Good, good. And, uh, and we will have um, someone later on the show. Zan is going to talk about uh, some uh, options for people who um, don't have hotels or – uh, you know, whether they need a roommate or anything like that as, at this juncture. So uh, she's got some great information coming up, and I think she's actually going to talk a little bit more about that subject as well. So Cool. So oh, very cool. Moving on from that, uh, it's time for guest announcements. And before I turn it over to Mike and Mary, I wanted to uh, – the DragonCon released a, uh announcement about their – Guest of Honor, the artist and literary guest of honor this year. Uh, the artist get, guest of honor is Patrick J. Jones, and the author guest of honor is Harry Turtledove. Uh, they will both be recognized at an award banquet. Uh, if you are not familiar with these individuals, you can find out a lot more information about them and a lot more information about the banquet, which is going to be held on August 30th. Um, you can find out more information about that at the uh, official uh, DragonCon site, the, the media relations site, where, again, we're going to have a link to that as well. So those are some big names, some guests of honor, but there's plenty of other guest announcements that have been made uh, since we last left, and some big ones too. Right, guys? Um, some. Definitely some. some. <laughs> you know, I'm still waiting for some really big ones, but uh-huh. you know, that's just me. Sure. Nothing's ever big enough for you, is it, Mike? Of course no, that's, not. No, that's me. That's oh, Darren. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it's you can't get us two two of us confused. <laughs> that would be very disturbing if you. Yes, did. it would. <laughs> well, now me and Mary, I understand, but not you know, no. me and Mike. <laughs> no, exactly. Sometimes I, I when I see Mary and uh, Darren together, I think I'm looking in a mirror. So <laughs> don't blink. Exactly. Don't blink. <laughs> All right, let's get started with this timeout. Um, we had to cut some out. Of course, we went from a 10 pages worth down to four pages. So strap in the suitcase, folks. Um, some of these we read at the end of last time, but um, just because they finally added it to the website. So we kept them in because they're fairly big names. So we'll start. Um, first half, we have the Sci-Fi Janitors. <laughs> the Sci-Fi Janitors are Dragon Con's very own geeky ambassadors to puppetry. Read them, they're my favorite. You, you want to finish it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> go for it. 
Catch Bob and Carl on DragonCon TV and live in the puppetry track. Since their debut at, on DragonCon TV in 2010, they've been entertaining audiences at cons as well as at home with their web series. Excellent. They're my favorite! Um, next, we had Ken Plume. Uh, Ken Plume writes, uh, does interviews, co-hosts, podcasts, plots, and sings horribly. He runs Fred Entertainment, where he hosts an interview series, a bit of chat with Ken Plume. Kevin McNally is an English actor best known for his role as Joshimi Gibbs in the Pirates of the Caribbean films. Cool. Uh, Sean McGuire is an English actor who can currently be seen playing the role of Robin Hood in Once Upon a Time. Cool. Uh, Molly Lewis is an American internet musician who's known for her ukulele playing. She plays both covers and original songs. Her original music consists of comedic songs about pop culture topics that tend toward the nerdy. She's awesome. Actually, I saw her at Comic-Con a couple years ago, and she's really cool. Ukulele? I'm there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, all you had to say was ukulele, and Mike was like, okay. (laughs) Jed Brophy has been a professional actor for over 30 years. Best known for his role in the Lord of the Rings trilogy as the dwarf Nori in the Hobbit films. Kristen Bauer. Woo! American film and television actress Kristen Bauer is no, excuse me, has been in the show business since her early 20s. Kristen is most known for his role as Pam, the vampire co-owner of Bonta Fantasia Bar in True Blood. Awesome. Uh, Colin Baker. Colin Baker plays the sixth incarnation of the Doctor. We've actually interviewed him in the past. Looking forward to seeing him again. Yes. I have not seen him, so this is great news for me. Yes. Amy Acker is best known for her roles on the television series Angel as Winifred Burkle and Illyria, and on Alias as Kelly Payton. She is also known for her role as Dr. Claire Saunders on Dollhouse and as Samantha Root Groves on Person of Interest. Exactly. And that announcement even better news for me. Exciting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that Lawyers, means, line up now. <laughs> exactly. That means Mike will have something else to put up on his wall. <laughs> Todd Lockwood is an award-winning illustrator whose work appeared in popular novels, magazines, video games, TCGs, RPGs, and Spectrum Illustrated Annual. Joseph Scrimshaw is a comedian and writer. Writing credits include Rift Tracks, Wits, w, W.T. Fark. How do you say that? What the Fark? Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Be careful. Careful. Very cool. And more. He's the host of the comedy podcast Obsessed and author of the geek flavored memoir, Comedy of Doom. Allison Carrier is a self proclaimed UX designer by day, Batman by night. She currently works for Mythical Entertainment and Electric Arts Studio on an undisclosed project. Among other mobile games, Allison was the lead UI artist for Monopoly Hotels and even has a character named for her. Tom Savini created Jason in the Friday the 13th franchise and is the king of splatter for Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. He was Sex Machine in the the Robert Rodriguez from Dusk Till Dawn and Tracker Chaney in Tarantino's Django Unchained. Awesome. Aaron Fever is a writer and director. Aaron is the producer of the animated short film How the Well Got His Throat, co-host of a comedy podcast, Cabin Fever, and a contributor as a a site called Fred.com. He is also Irish. Very Irish. (laughs) Travis Walton speaks worldwide about his 1975 UFO abduction witnessed by his six-man logging crew. They were accused of covering up for murdering Walton until he passed 
police polygraphs. Travis's book, Fire in the Sky, solidly refutes skeptics, describes making Paramount's fire in the sky, and reveals intriguing new developments. So he's a U.S. UFO survivor. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Todd A. McIntosh is a very well-known makeup artist and makeup educator. Todd has two Emmys, the first for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Pushing Daisies. Todd was also the makeup department head on Torchwood Miracle Day and worked on Star Trek Enterprise. James Urbaniak provides the voice for Dr. Thaddeus Venture on the Venture Brothers, as well as the Doctor's brother, Jonas Venture Jr., and the supervillain Phantom Limb. Phantom Phantom Limb! Dana Snyder is an actor, comedian. Uh, Ranacor, Dana is also, she's also uh, on Aqua Teen Hunger Force's Master Shake, Squidbilly's Granny, and Minor teams, Dr. Wang. That was a tough one, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Lips Down on Dixie is an Atlanta-based Rocky Horror Picture Show cast, which performs weekly Friday night sh- midnight shows at the Plaza Theater. Known nationally for their screen accuracy, the cast has made appearances at venues throughout the Southeast region, including Masquerade, Club Future, Chamber, Tongue and Groove, and others. All right. Looking forward to this one. Erin Gray is coming back to Dragon Con. Woohoo! Erin is an American actress, perhaps best known for her role as Kate Summers in the Situation Comedy Silver Spoon and as Colonel Wilma Deering in the science fiction television series Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Indeed. Allison Scagliotti, Scagliotti, I never know how to say her name, but she's awesome, and she's an American actress, best known for her roles in Drake and Josh and the sci-fi television series Warehouse 13. Yes, speaking of Warehouse 13, Saul Rubinek is coming to Dragon Con. He's a Canadian film and television actor. He has also directed and produced feature-length films. Rubinek currently plays Arthur Artie Nelson, a covert agent employed by a secret council of to recover super scientific and mysterious artifacts in the sci-fi series Warehouse 13. And with Not Eddie currently being there, anymore. Yeah, with uh, with Eddie being there, that's the uh, almost uh, the the whole crew. There's only two missing. So yes. Eddie McClintock is an American actor who has starred and guest starred in numerous television shows. He currently, not currently, but kind of, maybe it'll come back, portrays the role of Secret Service agent Peter Latimer on the sci-fi series Warehouse 13. C.L. Wilson loves to combine her two favorite genres, epic fantasy and romance. Thankfully, a number of readers share the same love, thus keeping her employed. Her award-winning novels have appeared on a variety of bestseller lists, including USA Today, The New York Times, and Publishers Weekly. Broderick Jones is a writer and puppeteer best known for War Sheep, a six-minute parody of the Broadway hit War Horse, and his online puppet video experiment Jigsaw. That's probably awesome. Christy Golden, seven-time New York Times bestselling author, has written 45 novels and several short stories in the field of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Credits include work for Star Trek, Star Wars, and gaming giant Blizzard, as well as award-winning original fiction. Steve Lund is currently starring as Nick Sorrentino in the hit TV show Bitten, based on the popular book series. He has also starred in Defiance, Lost Girl, and Alphas. Grayston Holt is best known as Clayton Danvers on the hot sci-fi series Bitten. 
David Farland is an award-winning international best-selling author with over 50 novels in print. He is best known for his fantasy series, The Rune Lords. Farland has written for major franchises such as Star Wars and The Mummy. Crux Shadows is one of the most notable dark wave bands internationally. Their motto is Live, Love, Be, Believe. And it serves as a reminder that while the Crux Shadows may write catchy songs, the band has depth that extends beyond the dance floor. I don't think I've ever been to a Dragon Con that they haven't been there. I mean, they are a Dragon Con institution. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Atlanta Radio Theater Company, performing live audio drama for 30 years and a fixture at Dragon Con since the beginning. William Stout is an American fantasy artist and illustrator which specializes in paleontic art. His paintings have been shown all over the 70 exhibitions, including 21 man, one-man shows. He has worked on over 30 feature films, doing everything from storyboarding art to production design. Jesse Rath is currently on the sci-fi series Defiance, playing the role of Alec Tarr. Beth Patterson is a high-energy and intense uh, blending traditional Celtic and Cajun music, original songs, and sordid parodies. When appropriate, of course. <laughs> Tony Curran can be currently seen playing the role of Dadek Tar on the sci-fi series Defiance. Brian Brushwood is the live touring, fire-eating, bizarre magician and host of Discovery Scam School, as well as the National Geographic Hacking the System. He's also one half of Billboard's number one night attack comedy team. Grant Beller currently stars as Joshua Nolan on the sci-fi television series Defiance. Hmm, I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> James P. Baylock is the author of 20 sci-fi fantasy novels and many short stories in those genres. He published the first domestic steampunk short story. Julie Benz! Star of cult classics such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Roswell, Benz has never been one to shy away from the challenging roles and can most recently be seen on Sci-Fi's Defiance. How about that? But she's also, I'm, I also I'm know sensing, her from Dexter. It kind of makes me want to watch that show a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sensing a Benz Acker panel coming, folks. Yeah. Daniel Govar is currently doing work for Marvel, storyboarding on various movie titles, and Dynamite covers and interiors on Grimm based on the hit NBC TV series. He has also two, two creator-owned series, Relaunch and Azure, is a concept artist and illustrator covers for many comics and novels. Alex Vernon is a professional puppeteer, actor, and visual artist. Based out of Washington, D.C., he has made a career solely in the arts. As a mem- company member uh, with Happenstance Theater, he has helped devise, design, construct, and perform four full-length shows in the past two years. The Gin Rebellion is a musical collective formed by Dapper Dandies, H.M., and Renfield, joined by Ophelia Baptist, Baptista, performs the perfect blend of retro folk, steampunk, fusion spanning several continents and decades. Come crack open a bottle of your bittersweet memories, dance and drink, and toast to the rebellion. Gigi Edgley. As host of Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge, Gigi Edgley is charged with introducing each week's challenge to the group of contestants. Gigi has a long history with the Jim Henson Company, beginning with her popular role as Kiana. Is it Kiana? Kiana. Kiana. I never watched that show. On the company's critically acclaimed sci-fi cult series, Farscape. 
The Cog is Dead, an energetic, time-traveling steampunk musical act whose mix of fun, catchy music ranges from bouncy and whimsical to dark and sinister. They travel in the first U.S. steampunk tour by train and performed with Abney Park, Voltaire, Steam-Powered Giraffe, Mr. B, Professor Elemental, and many, many more. Nerf Herder is known for writing and performing the theme for the hit TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Rodney Ramos has been a professional inker penciler for over 20 years. He has worked for DC Comics, Marvel, Disney, Valiant, Legendary Comics, and much more. And, of course, um, they've also announced that uh, Carl Urban is coming to Dragon Con. Uh, fangirl moment. Yeah! <laughs> yes, he hasn't uh, been up on the website yet, but it has been announced. Yes, it was uh, announced on the DragonCon Facebook group. Yes. They also announced there that uh, they've got some folks from the Mystery Science Theater 3000 there as well. Bill Corbett, Frank Conniff, Trace, uh, I think it's Baudu, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Baudu. Uh, and uh, so, yes, and I think... Uh, They've already, uh, prior to that, I think on one of our shows, they announced, we, they announced uh, that uh, Mike Nelson's going to be there too. So yes. it's going to be a MST3K reunion. Well, it's an anniversary yeah. year for them. Yep. Yes. So exactly. And I still want more. I want more. Well, you know, there's two months left. And uh, like I said, they did announce that they're, well, they didn't announce it so much uh, the way that the DragonCon Facebook page said that there will be a big unveiling this week. So okay. I'm not sure if that means it's going to be uh, a guest-related or something else. So in any case, uh, we're not done with uh, the guests by a long shot. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, anybody who's listened to this part of the show knows there's a lot of guests. <laughs> and we haven't even named half of them. So... You definitely want to go to the dragoncon.org site and find out the whole list. See the whole list there. Now that we've got a sense of some of the other guests that are going to be there, let's talk to an actual track director about what uh, they've got going on. And, yes, it's not too early to talk to track directors, although some of them uh, are – well, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because everything could still change with two months left. But uh, right now we have the pleasure and honor of talking to the director of the Star Wars track. Ms. Brandy Rhodes, welcome to the station. Hi, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Now, how long have you been uh, associated with the uh, Star Wars track? Well, let's see. I think this is my sixth year. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, and and were, did you have a prior history with Star, uh, with um, Dragon Con before that? I did. Um, I was the assistant director for information services, uh, but I started out in signage, the people who make all of the calendars and the schedules that you see, any of the signs that you see up around the convention um, right. in all of the hotels. So you, you get really, really familiar with what goes where and how to get in between all the hotels when you have to um, run the big signs everywhere all the sure. time. Sure. Uh, now, was that your, when, when was that? Was that your first DragonCon experience? It was. Um, it, it was fabulous. <laughs> I loved it. So my first Dragon Con experience, I also got all the behind-the-scenes uh, experience as well. So I know the, the tunnels and the staff-only areas, and it was, it was very fun, and it hooked me immediately. 
Awesome. Awesome. And so you liked it so much that, uh, yeah, now you're in charge of Star Wars. Just a just a, a small fraction of what goes on at Dragon Con. But uh, it's been it goes in waves. I remember when it was uh, really huge. I think it's dipped a little bit. But now with the you know news and information that we're getting about the new movies, uh, there's probably not a hotter track around. Well, I would certainly argue that it's the best time to be a Star Wars fan, maybe ever. Um, certainly since the 70s and the 80s, it's the best time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, when Lucasfilm has their events, uh, which is Celebration, they actually had it the week before Dragon Con one year. But that's about the only time when we, when I would say it, it was anywhere close to taking a hit. Otherwise, we're consistently full Standing room only, um, especially now with new things coming. Yes. So uh, what kind of uh, treats do you have in store for Star Wars fans at Dragon Con this year? Well, we've got some new authors coming that haven't been um, to Dragon Con, at least in the last few years. Um, we've got Christy Golden coming. We've got um, Kevin Hearn, actually, who's writing the new Luke Skywalker book that's due this fall, I believe. Um, and, of course, we've got uh, all of our favorites, um, Timothy Zahn, Michael Stackpole, Kevin J. Anderson, um, and his wife, Rebecca Molesta. So, um, I mean, it, it's going to be really fun hearing their take, especially with the news coming out of Lucasfilm that the books are now legendary. Or at least that's the way I'm looking at it. Um, <laughs> since they're <laughs> calling all of the the EU legend now. So... <laughs> Gotcha. Because, yeah, for for really a lot of us uh, Star Wars fans, that was what we had, the only thing that we had for a little while uh, to keep us going. Right. And, I mean, it was massive. Um, So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how everybody handles the news. I'm sure it's going to reopen those wounds, basically, when we start talking about it during Dragon Con. But um, to have so many authors with us to discuss and so many different points of view, um, it's going to be really exciting just to hear what they've got to say, to see if they've got any insider information, uh, to see if they're just gutted because their character isn't canon anymore or whatever. But um, there's lots of lots and lots of discussions to be had, as well as lots of speculation on the future. So... Right. I mean, with a with a franchise this big, um, obviously, um, Disney and Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams would like to keep it as much under wraps as possible. But as we've seen just only a couple weeks ago, sometimes things and news slips out. So which leads to a lot of speculation. All the time. Um, And J.J. nipped that in the bud pretty quickly. I mean, (laughs) it's really, really fun to be living in this technology age where it's almost like we're best friends with J.J. Abrams. You know, when he sends out a tweet, obviously it was meant for me only. Um, He's my BFF, and he wrote a note to me. So (laughs) I think we all kind of feel like that, and we all feel like we are now part of the process more so than we've been able to be in the past. Well, of course, a lot of speculation leads to a lot of discussion, so I'm sure you'll be having a lot of uh, panels and groups about that. Absolutely. We actually have um, one specific panel that's going to be almost entirely speculation. Um, We're going to call it uh, something along the lines of 30 years, what happened was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because now that there's no canon, per se, um, I guess when Rebels starts, the the new cartoon that's coming out, 
um, probably in September, then we'll get a little bit more of an idea of what's been going on between episode six and seven. But we're going to have a pretty good time just speculating and going crazy with what could have been going on with our favorite people over the past 30 years. I, I can't imagine not having Star Wars in my life. And yet um, the news uh, of the new movies uh, kind of was just went by me. And I, I was just sort of halfway paying attention going, that's something that's happening. And yeah, I'll go see them. But I wasn't, you know, didn't take it personally as far as being excited goes until that leaked shot of the Millennium Falcon. And then I got all geek bumpy and, and just really excited. So, and I imagine a lot of star Wars fans are, are much the same way as something already has probably the fact that they've got the originals and they're continuing on with the saga that we all know is, uh, is very exciting. I am absolutely sold on it for that reason alone. I mean, if you look at the, even the original cast picture that they sent out, even with all of the um, scandal, if you'd like to call it that, <laughs> um, with regard to the casting, it was so fun to see the original, not just the original three, but to know that they're getting Peter Mayhew back. Um, that's that's really exciting, and it, it makes it so much more special to know that, that Anthony Daniels and Peter Mayhew, the people that have been there all along, and they're not the big three, but they're still going to be able to keep their roles. Um, it's just, it's so exciting. And to get new news, and it seems like we're getting new news every other day, the excitement is just renewed every single day. I, I just, I, I, I guess people expect that you're going to burn out by the time the movies get there, but I think it's just building so much because everybody loves Star Wars. Now, did, now, in addition to talking about the latest news, talking about uh, the uh, the Clone Wars, obviously, which reached a conclusion this year, uh, which um, uh, with the new show Rebels, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of discussion going on. Are there other events that your track does as well? Oh, absolutely. Well, this year we're doing something really special. Um, anybody who's been a fan of the EU um, or role-playing games or just been around the convention probably knew – or had at least seen Aaron Alston, um, and he passed away earlier this year. So on Saturday, we're asking people to wear the most outrageous, uh, what I would call a Hawaiian flowery shirt, um, but I guess technically they're called Aloha shirts. Um, and we've even been hashtagging Aloha shirts for Alston um, because he always wore outrageous Hawaiian shirts, and sometimes he even found Star Wars ones. It was just wonderful. And I don't recall ever seeing him when he wasn't in some sort of Aloha shirt. So to sort of pay homage to him, we're asking that everybody do that. And then on Saturday, we're also going to have um, sort of an honoring or remembering Aaron Alston panel with some of the other authors and some of the people who knew him really well. So that's going to be exciting. Um, on a, on a happier note, we're starting something new this year uh, where so, so we can we can call this segment what to, what to pack for Dragon Con. So pack your Aloha shirts for Alston, but um, bring some. I don't know if I'll be able to find one. <laughs> no comment, <laughs> right? Mike. <laughs> right. It's a, it's I only wear one like every day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, a, it's a real stretch it. for Mike. He has a different one for each day of the week. <laughs> See, you're already ready already. I like it. <laughs> So, but you also need to bring something dapper, something classy, because um, we're going to have uh, a cocktail party um, called Suits, Sinatra, and Star Wars. 
um, which is kind of funny in my head. It all came from um, me picturing what the posters would say, you know, something along the lines of fly me to the moon. That's no moon. So uh, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> we'll see if anybody shows up to come dance with me, but it should be fun. Just a little bit more low key than our normal uh, last party on Alderaan. That's like <laughs> Dragon Con's quintessential house dance pop music party um, that's normally on Saturday night. So. Gotcha. We're going to have that too, though. I, I'm, I'm imagining Mego gets played at some point. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can make it happen. <laughs> yeah, that, that Star Wars dance theme. I can, I can, I'm picturing it now. Right, in the old school disco version, see? And now, do you guys work with them? Um, because I know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Star Wars costuming, uh, particularly the, the 501st. Do you guys work with them at all? We do. Um, in fact, we devote our first panel. Um, we're, a lot of tracks have opening panels and meet and greets and stuff like that. We just kind of do a basic introduction. Hey, here's who's working the track. And then we turn it over to our fan groups. Um, the 501st, the Rebel Legion, the Mandalorian Mercs. Um, they are phenomenal. Um, but what, it, while you'll see them all in the parade and they'll have their fan tables probably um, down in the Marriott somewhere, um, they do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for us as well. Um, running our costume contests, sitting on other panels, not just dealing with um, costuming, but um, and, and then of course all of the photo ops. So this year, I think they're working on something special for everyone, um, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. We're going to try to do um, a theme relating solely to rebels because um, I feel like we're the we're the last big convention before the new show. So we really need to hit sure. hard for them. So the fan groups are going to help us out on that. So you'll have to come by the track room and see what we put together for you. Definitely. Um, uh, well, speaking of which, where is your track room? Well, of course, you know, it, it's still June. So everything we're talking about is subject to change. Of course, uh, of course. But <laughs> normally we are in the Marriott on the atrium level, um, back behind the... Uh, blood drive it's technically marriott a706 um gotcha. so what is i guess it's one up from the um lobby area and then all the way back so if you come across the habit trails um or whatever you'd like to call them the sky bridges from um peach tree center and the hyatt we're just right behind there so exactly right before you get into the lobby of the marriott instead of turning left or right just look for the blood drive people go back that way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think it's up one floor from, from the lobby. So, but yeah, if you find the blood drive people or you hear them yelling, we're just past them. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that uh, you'd like people to know about uh, your track this year so far? Well, we're trying to do a little bit of everything. So we're bringing back our Lego panel, our collecting panel. Um, like I said, tons of author, discussions lots of costuming panels you know if you need to know how to weather your armor or how to make the armor how to make lightsabers how to make voice boxes um anything and everything we're going to have an introduction like like um an intro to costuming and then we're going to try to break it apart um and later on in the weekend have a more expert authoritative uh costuming discussion um for the younglings we have some very special things uh, like the saber school that the New York Jedi does for us, where they come and they get mini lightsabers. 
they're made out of foam for any parents out there worried. Um, you know, we don't want kids beating each other with real lightsabers. That would be scary. <laughs> no, um, no hands, to, no hands cutting off, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> What's the meme where Luke's, you know, looking at the lightsaber, most dangerous weapon in the galaxy points it directly at his face. So <laughs> <laughs> we cut up noodles, um, pool noodles, um, and duct tape them, which then makes them kind of look like multicolored lightsabers. And the kids really seem to have a good time with that. But um, we also have the equivalent, the Star Wars equivalent slash inside equivalent of like a soapbox derby where the kids get cardboard boxes and they have to decorate them and everything, which is super fun. Uh, and then they wear their cardboard boxes and run around the 10th floor of the Marriott. And it's a pod race for our younglings. So that's always really fun. Wow. So you've got uh, definitely something for everybody. We're trying. We're trying. You know. Okay. So anyway, uh, we've got the Empire Striketh Back because he released a new one. Um, so we're going to do a table read of that. We always end up getting um, a lot of audience participation. And like I said, just random people, other authors, other guests that aren't even affiliated with Star Wars find their way to our track for that, which is always really, really fun. So we're really looking forward to that. And, of course, we've got our trivia contest, um, our costume contest. Um, and we've got this really rambunctious, rowdy carnival of a i don't even know it's beyond a panel at this point but we call it adult themes in sci-fi um and sean rosado who's been a friend of the track for a long time and could pretty much carry a panel on his own always invites other people onto the panel like we've had chloe dykstra on it before uh before she started doing heroes of cosplay actually Uh, but it's always really rowdy and very irreverent and not at all logical well, right, you said Sean, so that's, that's – I mean, Sean, they, enough said right there. <laughs> that may very well explain the rest. You're right. <laughs> Sean's a good friend. so But, yes, I can uh, – and it, it, I can see where things would be kind of crazy. It's completely out there. And it, it, what it started off being Star Wars, now it's pretty much anything and everything goes um, – but it is definitely 18 and up only, and it is not for the faint of heart. So, but it's, it's a fun way to spend a Sunday night, you know, just relaxing a little bit at the end of, towards the end of Dragon Con. So. Sure, and, sure. And, of course, we have our parties. So we've got the cocktail party on Friday night now, and then our big dance party, the last party on Alderaan um, on Saturday night. So it should be exciting. should be fun. Well, definitely all sounds exciting and fun. So, and again, with the resurgence in Star Wars, I'm sure that uh, a lot of your panels are going to have standing room only. So definitely encourage people uh, when they're planning to go to uh, see you guys, allow plenty of time to get there and to get a good seat. Because I got to imagine that you guys are going to be really even more popular. So. Well, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We welcome everybody and every point of view and um, we'll make room as much as we can. I mean, the fire marshal will come and say, all right, that's too many. But, you know, we stack people, standing room only, sitting on the aisles, et cetera. So it'll be exciting. And and we just need to make sure, I guess, that people are talking about it. Make sure that you're tweeting about it and putting it on Facebook. That So Lucasfilm will understand that a lot of Star Wars fans come to Dragon Con. Um, and we want to make sure that 
<laughs> they understand that we're a force to be reckoned with too. You know, we might wow. not be Comic Con, but I mean, we were trending worldwide last year. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we have to make sure people are still talking about Dragon Con this year too. Oh yes, that's uh, that's uh, assuredly so. So, um, but uh, well, yeah, you said Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Now I know you know we're still uh, a little over two months out. Uh, things are gonna, things are probably gonna change. There may be some guest additions or subtractions, what have you. Uh, programming notes. Where can people find out about what's going on with the track and how to get uh, involved a little bit more if they like? Well, we have a Facebook group. You can just search for us, Star Wars at Dragon Con. Um, we're also on Twitter. It's SWATDC. Um, that's also our um, email address, SWATDC at DragonCon.org, which is a little redundant. But if you just know that SWATDC, Star Wars at DragonCon, um, that's how you find us even um, on the Internet. We've got a web page. But really, we're most active on Twitter um, and Facebook. That's the easiest way. But people can always email us to find out more. Now, when we get the app, um, that'll probably hit around August if the future is any indication, or the future, the past is any indication. <laughs> so um, be on the lookout there, but always try to follow the tracks on Twitter um, so you can keep up to date on any changes. Um, and the Daily Dragon, of course, they're on Twitter, but then they'll have the printouts in case anything changes once we're at DragonCon. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. Um, definitely look forward to seeing you uh, in a couple months at Dragon Con and, and checking out the track. And I strongly encourage everybody else to do so. Yeah. And if you guys want to be on panels, just let me know. So, awesome. <laughs> we've got tentative versions of the schedule up, but as I said, everything will probably change between now and then. So. <laughs> that's <laughs> just, that's just absolutely true. That's true. So thank you very much for being on the station. We appreciate it, Brandy. Now it's time for a tips for newbies with our own Kevin Batchelder. Welcome back to the station, Kevin. Ah, oh, thank you guys. Great to be back on here. We're getting close to con, aren't we? Oh man, it is like really like only about really really two months away, um, and yeah. that's just wow. That's amazing. Um, now, uh, of course, you know we mention I think almost every time we do this that one of the things that makes Dragon Con unique is that it's not a convention center. It's uh, it takes place in hotels, which uh, although has a lot of advantages has a lot of disadvantages and one of the main differences with all the hotels is how do you get around and i understand that you've got some ways around the hotels well i wish i had like a secret passageway that i could <laughs> share with you guys but uh, not not that i'm aware of anyway maybe you get that at the 15 year anniversary <laughs> he, he does have one but he's just not going to share it yeah yeah <laughs> Well, no, it I is figured. a challenge too because it's like what about oh, it's like fifty to sixty thousand people, uh, you know, moving around from hotel to hotel, and yes, it does offer its own set of challenges. Well, yeah, I know it, for it, this it, year that's supposed to be. I think they're saying they're estimating sixty-two. Yeah, and well, it's going to seem like a hundred on any given day. Oh, <laughs> yes. very much so. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, that day when you're trying to get from uh, you know a far end of the Hilton to the far end of the uh, Western or something. Yeah. So, That's do you what... have a um, yeah? You so you have a, a a layout of all the hotels or? Yeah, we've we've put up uh, in our Facebook group. I know you guys have seen it in some of the other Facebook groups. There are a couple of nice little maps that'll show you the five official hotels 
you know, the hotels that DragonCon calls official, meaning they have events or presence in all of them. There may be tracks that have regular programming. You know, obviously folks are staying in tons and tons of hotels around the city, but those are the ones where events occur. So kind of understanding where each of them is, which is which, and the best way to get between them really will go a long way uh, in terms of helping you out, especially if you're the type who wants to bop around to different tracks at different times of day. In addition to the five hotels, we've got the uh, dealer room now, too. So that's not in one of the hotels now, too. So it's really a six-building uh, uh, convention. It is, but, you know, that's nice because it's between the Hyatt and the Westin. So it, it takes care of that blank space that you had there. When yeah, you had the America's between... Art Building, as it's called, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and you know the food court area uh was also just it's not official but it's kind of you know the connector of everything too and that's its own separate thing as well. So you know food it does the body good. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a good shortcut to get between things too even though there are a lot of people there. True. True. Yeah. Now a lot of folks I mean the the names and we'll say them again cuz you folks that are you know probably listening now have, have heard them but we'll reinforce it you've got the Hyatt the Marriott and the Hilton, those three are very uh, close connected. And you got indoor walkways between all of those. You've also got the Sheridan, which is, what would you say? Is that a block and a half, two blocks off? A block and a half away from the Hilton. Yeah. yeah. And then the Weston, same idea, a little bit off from the Hyatt uh, with the America's Modern Between. So depending upon where your events might be, you're going to need to be moving between these hotels. And, hey, certainly you can go out the front door into the lovely Atlanta muggy heat and walk it if you want to. If you're the type, but if you want to try to stay a little cooler and make your life easier, there are indoor walkways between several of these hotels. Yeah. Uh, In particular, the Hyatt, Marriott, and Hilton are all like back to back to back. So there's, uh, you know, the tunnels uh, that right like between those three in particular. Mm -hmm. That's what we we commonly refer to as the Habit Trail. Exactly. If you hear someone say, oh, take the Habit Trail over there. They're not trying to joke at you, folks. That's just the name they've been adopted over the years. <laughs> it is the, they're very nice indoor walkways, but those do go between them. And it's very helpful to kind of know where you are. I mean, we've said it many times. If you're lucky enough to be coming in on you know Wednesday or Thursday before the big rush of people, highly recommend taking a walk through a few of these places before there are the hordes coming in to just get your bearings kind of on which one goes to which one, and also the walkway kind of comes in on which level of this hotel. You know, it's it, it, it helps a great deal. I know a lot of folks said that after their first or second year. That's where they had the biggest learning curve and the biggest uh, help as far as cutting down on time was just having a clue where I am and how do I get to the next place. Yeah, don't try to find out where the around, your way around the con on Friday morning or so when you're there. It's going to be packed already. And Saturday, pfft, with the parade and such... There you're talking, you know, because you have people who come just for the parade and then they walk into the hotels. It's even more crowded. Right. If you're if you're staying at the Westin um, and, you know, you've got a you want to see a panel at the Sheridan, you're definitely going to have to know that it's going to take you a little while to get there. Also, if you have any kind of physical disabilities, it's good to know your way around. Yes, and this is a bit of a hilly area. I mean, on the lower end, the Hilton and Sheridan, then going up a bit to the uh, Hyatt and moving all the way up to where the Western America's March. So if you're having to go uphill, especially if you're trying to do it outdoors, that's a bit of a trek. Especially so just, especially the hill between the Sheraton and the Western. 
Yes. Yep. That uh, the first time I tried to do that, uh, got to tell you, that was a bit of a oh my goodness <laughs> kind of thing on a hot muggy afternoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know, it's just it's awareness more than anything. We just uh, don't want to folks caught off guard. So you know, those, and those habit trails, as they're called, they're wonderful. It's been absolutely great over the years to see them being added to make life easier. Again, you're staying indoors where it's nice and AC. But as Mike was saying, once you get to Saturday, which is by far the busiest and crowded day. If you're in a rush, those habit trails are not going to be the fastest way. Then is when you might want to venture out to the big golden ball outdoors and take a cut across a couple of city streets. A couple but, of uh, real quick rules about uh, going through habit trails. One, do not ask for to take anybody's picture while you're in the habit trail. And two, make sure your badge is front and center so when you exit the habit trail and go into the next hotel, nine times out of ten there's going to be somebody who's looking for that. Exactly. And also, you know, like when – Mike just said, do not stop in the habit trail to take a picture. And that also goes for the halls right outside of it because people are still trying to exit or enter the habit trails. And there are people who are like, well, I'm not in the habit trail and they're taking pictures right outside. It's still backing up people into the hallways. And what we like to call the T intersection in the Marriott where yeah. there's a walkway from – from the Marriott, you can either go right or left. If you go left, you go over to the Peachtree Center food court. But if you go right, you go over to the Hyatt. And you have people merging from both areas and massive amounts. And if you go straight at that area, that's where the blood donation is. So you have people doing that also. Now you may call it the T intersection. I call it hell. I mean, it's it is the it is probably the most congested area of the convention uh, because you've got people going um, in four different directions, and there's no stoplight, there's no traffic light, <laughs> so so they're just merging, and and it's kind of crazy. And you put some people with some big costumes in there, and it just gets all messed up. Well, what was it I think you had mentioned or somebody had mentioned on the show that someone last year was going through the um, habit trail between the Marriott and the Hyatt and someone was dressed as uh, Modoc or something. Oh, wow. And that's a huge-ass costume. And it almost took up the full width of the habit trail. So you got to be aware of that too because – not everybody just has skin-tight costumes on here. There are some very, very elaborate things you're going to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's and realize sometimes when it does get to the busy times, for those of you who aren't that comfortable in big crowds, especially some of these uh, walkways and areas, because it is a hotel. It's designed for a lot of people, but it's not exactly, you know, 10 across as far as room for folks. That uh, sometimes when it gets really crowded – you're going to kind of go end up going with the flow of where people are walking, which might not be where you intended to go. So you might need to go a little beyond and circle back or cut off a little earlier and go around. Uh, just realize that, as you were saying, sometimes in those really congested spots, if you need to cut across a sea of people, it might not be worth trying to go upstream with the salmon, as they say, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like <laughs> I was saying, it's, you know, if you see, because it's really, you know, uh, so many people are wearing awesome costumes that your instinct is, I want to take a picture of that. That is really awesome. You have to like really, you know, belay that order, that belay that instinct. And, and if it really means that much, much to you, you're just going to have to switch over and, and swim with the other, you know, the other, go the other way for a little while. 
uh, until that's a safe area to take that picture, an open area, and then go back to what you were going to do in the first place. Another place not to take pictures, and just this is just common sense, folks. It's not don't, common sense. Don't take pictures on the escalators, folks. It's not. Yeah. It's not common sense. You would think it's common sense. <laughs> it's. It's really. Yeah, not. people yeah. try to take pictures on the frippin' escalator. And That's a recipe for disaster. Exactly. And half the time, the escalators aren't working in the Marriott, going between the levels. And so you you have people walking through and everything. So it's just, it's even worse that you have to deal with. Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things. If you've been to a major sporting event, uh, you probably know from a lot of these same things apply. It's going to be that same type of thing. So... That's what you just have to get kind of comfortable with and realize, especially at the busy times. Just uh, scope it out. Keep your head, as they say in, in some sports things, keep your head on a swivel. Be willing to look around, see what's coming from your left or your right. Uh, like you said, like Mike said, if you see a costume you really like, that's where it, I've seen some of the worst, uh, shall we say, collisions isn't so much uh, with the costumes. It's the folks who see a good one and turn their head and then walk into the person in front of them because everybody stopped for some reason. So They're, they're rubbernecking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trust me, the instinct is there. It still is for me, you know, sure, 10 plus sure. years in. But you got to watch out because these things, you know, it's a lot of people moving in a lot of directions, folks. And you're so. going to see costumes that you've never, ever imagined seeing before. I mean, there is some amazingly cool stuff. I, I still see it myself, but I'm just reminding you that I don't want to see you end up doing a face, uh, excuse me, a face plant. Yeah, oh. some, sometimes it's not a costume. I mean, one time in one of the habit trails, I, I saw Stan Lee. And, you know, it's just like, wow, there's Stan Lee. That's oh, actually Stan. You know, and you, I, my <laughs> first instinct was to kneel and start worshiping him. But I had to belay that because, uh, you know, we got to keep moving. You would have got trampled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I will say, though, the habit trails have been nice because the habit trails between the Hyatt and the Marriott it was within the last five years. Yes. Yeah, that that addition between the high and the Marriott was really welcome because I mean you could still get there uh, without going outside by going through the um, the, the, food, the food court, right? Yes. But the direct line from one hotel to the other. And it's really interesting that they've done all that. I mean, this is something that, you know, the Hyatt, the Marriott, the Hilton, the Sheridan, the Weston, they're all like, you know, competing companies, you know, that but they're working together. You know, and they put invested a lot of money to but work. Together. It was also the city of Atlanta because the city of Atlanta was putting so much money, you know, into having to pay for crossing guards to block the street for people to go across between the Marriott and the Hyatt. And then they had those awful steps that you had yeah, to go out death. right by the pool. Exactly. Oh, well, they're still there. And oh, I know they're awful. still there, but you know, and the <laughs> and they're still and they're great when they're wet. They're they're really slippery when they're wet. Let me tell you, people. Oh my uh, god! I saw I, a woman once in a Spider Woman costume with the heels and everything going down that, and it just had rained. Wow! And I saw her fall at least down five steps. I yeah, I can imagine. I was I w- I went on those steps last year during that storm period, and because uh, I didn't have a choice, I needed to get to a panel. So that was the only way option available to me at the time because they wouldn't let us. We were stuck in the second level, the where the uh, ballrooms are, um, and they wouldn't let us go up. So we couldn't because of everybody. It was raining and everybody was just inside. So they wouldn't let us go up to the lobby level. So there was the only way out was out the back and down those stairs. And woo, that was an adventure. Yep. So and again, since you're going to have at each of these hotels too. Uh, Different programming tracks and events, as you just mentioned, the ballrooms, the track rooms on multiple levels there. So when you're 
coming across from one of these uh, heavy trails. You're coming in at a certain level, let's say, on the Marriott, knowing if you need to go up or down a level ahead of time rather than, you know, walking down the habit trail and going, oh, yeah, where was I going? Up a level, down a level. You're not going to be able to pull out your program and figure it out. You better know once you come out of that habit trail and get to those escalators, turn left to go up, turn right to go down or go straight to cut through the rest of the room. Again, preparation, folks, will help a great deal. Yeah. And if you don't know, please get out of the way. Um, yes. You know, again, common sense Go with the flow. Some, <laughs> sometimes leaves us because it's so overwhelming when you get either to the top or the bottom of the escalator. It's it's you're just you just sort of stop like, which way do I need to go? Well, you need to go somewhere so you can figure out where to go later, because if you stop at the at either the top or the bottom of the escalator, you will get run over. Well, one of the other things, though, is when you get off, like especially on the top of the Marriott, um, on the top level of the atrium there, that you know it drops you off. The escalators drop you right into the heart of a bar, mm-hmm. and you have people drinking, you have people socializing right around the top. So you have to make your way through that also. Yeah, they the last couple of years though they've had that area roped off though, and they've usually had one or two people there, so that's really nice. So the mayor yes. has to do that. Um, so usually um, that area is not as bad as it used to be um, a few years ago. So I would love for them to do something similar with that main intersection, but I don't I don't know what the answer is to that because that's just a mess. No, exactly. Well, there's a lot of messes there, but that's. <laughs> That's another story in itself. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's gotten better. By no means, it's gotten better. So, No, every year they get a little smarter with the flow of people and where they will, you know, cordon things off and how much extra space, like you were just saying, they'll leave at the top or the bottom of an escalator entrance. So, yeah, they're getting smarter about it. And we, as a group, need to be aware that, uh, again, head up on a swivel and keep moving. Um, you know, that these are the things we're going to tend to see, like if you're right in the middle of the floor uh, as you walk through. But sometimes it's better fan out a little to the sides of that level. You know, if you've just pulled in, let's say, to the Marriott and you realize that I'm two levels below where I need to be. Well, you don't have to get on that escalator the moment you get off the sky bridge. If you go a little further down to the other side of the building, potentially, there might be a little more open space to be able to get there and go up that escalator. Well, it's And there are also several stairs on the sides that if you're only going one or two floors, stairs can be your friend too, folks. You're going to do a lot of walking at con. Don't hesitate taking stairs for a very short walk. Expect to be doing at least, you know, for those who are keeping track with their Fitbit and everything, prepare to be doing at least 40,000 steps a day at a minimum. So, you know, you're going to be walking. Yeah. I mean, unless you have a, a physical situation that limits you, um, the stairs for even just a, a level or two can make a big time savings for you if you're getting to move around. So don't hesitate. And those are right there as in any normal structure at a hotel, you know, towards the corners. Um, and uh, they're still well-traveled, but they can also be a nice, uh, uh, shall we say, I won't say shortcut, but certainly not quite as populated as the escalators are going to be or even as bad as elevators might be. True, true. Good point, and I definitely would like to encourage people. I heard a lot of horror stories, particularly about the Marriott as far as the elevators go, and I'm pleased to say that uh, I didn't experience uh, much uh, congestion with the elevators um, myself. Um, Either I had to get up early so I could make it to a panel or to set up my table or extremely late because I was, uh, you know, 
out and about. So um, I miss some of the peak times, I guess, where it comes to elevator usage. But I will say that the one time it was congested, and it makes perfect sense to me, here's a tip. If you're getting an elevator, do not get on the elevator in the bottom floor of whatever hotel you're trying to get on the elevator. Go up at least one flight, maybe two, because if you're on any other floor but the bottom, you have the option to get on the elevator, whether it's going up or going down. But if you're on the bottom, you only have the option to get on the elevator if it's going up. There's only one and, direction, folks. And and it's and it's usually packed because everybody has gone on on some floor because to go down and they're gonna go down and up as well. So uh so by the time it gets to that bottom floor, you're lucky if one or two people get out. It's mm-hmm. usually quite packed. And that goes for all the hotels. That's just yeah. not the Marriott. It's also for the Hyatt and the Hilton especially, those three. I had a yeah. lot more success getting on the elevator uh, going down uh, for the Marriott to and just riding a couple floors before you go back up uh, than I did uh, at the at that base floor. Of course, people yeah. were going, "Hey, there's Mikey G going down." But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and again, we have said, and you will hear it said many times: don't be afraid to go down to go up, or vice versa. A lot of people are doing it. Don't be afraid if you're stuck in the back of the elevator. Hey, I won't be able to get out in time. We're all used to the fact that that thing will be packed, barely room to breathe. You'll be making really close friends uh, <laughs> on those rides. But don't hesitate to say, hey, this is my floor, and people will move to let you get on or off. It's You're going to end up getting physically close to a lot of these folks if you have to take elevators, like it or not. Uh, and also be very conscious, please, folks, for those with disabilities and in wheelchairs. It's very difficult for them to get on the elevators sometimes if you've got a wad of people just rushing be conscious of that. That's something that uh, we really have to be careful of. I would also allow uh, a lot of people are acrophobic, uh, like myself, and many of the elevators ha- are glass so on one side. So when they're going up, uh, it uh, does affect people uh, in a bad way. Um, and a lot of people want to you know, stay as close to the door as they can, not face the window because they mm-hmm. have issues with that. Um, and you know, as long, if you are one of those persons, please let everybody on the elevator know so they can, cause usually if you've got an issue, everybody can work with you, but if they don't know what you're doing and you're just blocking the door, you're going to get yelled at. Yeah. Exactly. No, just be open, be open folks. Be this open. is a great community. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's there for the same reason you're there. Yeah. And you know, they're all trying to get up to the room or getting down to the con. That's the, the long and short of it. And they're all there and you know, most everyone's in a really good place. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say one thing that you can always do, and this is <laughs> this is a lesson in life too. But one thing that you can always do to make all your traveling uh, easier on yourself is to allow a lot of time between where you are, yes. where you are, and where you're going. So if you yeah. plan ahead and say, "Hey, uh, the panel is in an hour. Let's leave now," and and you know, and it'll be much. If you can go at a leisurely pace, if you can go at your own pace, if you're not rushing to get somewhere, it's going to be a lot less stressful for you. Yeah, those official hotels, if you're lucky enough to have a room in one of them, um, and as Mike said, if it's time you want to go catch that panel in a few minutes, this is not the Holiday Inn in the local town. You're not going to have a two-minute wait. It's, it could be several minutes before the elevator comes, and several may come that you can't get on because they're full if it's a early evening peak time or Saturday. So again, that leaving extra time so you don't stress out will go a long way. 
exactly. yeah and and even if you get there you know if, even if it only takes you 15 minutes and you get to where you're supposed to be 45 minutes early you know what you can hang out and people watch. watch people watch and there's always something to see so it's not like it's uh you know uh they're gonna be that uh, inconvenient for you no 24 7 there's always something to see at dragon con Yes. Now, one thing we kind of touched on before we wrap up, I know, guys, we keep talking about the food court. Um, and folks, you know, think that's something maybe in one of the hotels. It's technically not. Correct? It's the office building exactly. adjacent. There's yeah. actually technically two food courts. There's the main food court, um, the Peachtree Center one. But then mm-hmm. there's the super secret uh, food court that is open on Friday and Monday that is part of the SunTrust Plaza. And you can yes. get there through the sky bridge um, between the Hyatt and the Marriott. Mm-hmm. There's yep. a so you'll so it's actually you know that's a lot of people don't know about that one, but yeah. And the first time you end up in one of these food courts, if you have the time, again another one of those things I'd recommend, even if it's fairly crowded, do a good walk around to see all the different corridors and the different food that's available, because that'll help you the next time you're coming in. Because I mean, most of this stuff is fast. I want to say. Fast food, faster food, um, you know, but obviously with tens of thousands of people, the lines will be long there. But understand where the type of food you like is and where you might be able to uh, head towards the next time you get to that food court. Again, planning ahead of time so you're not just standing there awestruck trying to figure out, oh, where where was the subs? Where was the pizza? That kind of yeah. stuff will come in real handy. Exactly. It definitely comes in handy. And also in the food court, like we said before, there's also a CVS. Yeah, that's a tw- yep. that's a twenty four hour CVS. Whenever, and they actually kept it very well stocked last year. Yeah, uh, the, kudos to them because they also last year at least were not jacking up prices like a lot of places will around con time. <laughs> they had things like bottled water and other things at very reasonable prices throughout the entire four days of con. So you know, it's definitely wealth worth it. And you know, that's if you ever run out of you know like hand you know hand lotion or you know, disinfectant or, you know, hell for, you know, any personal stuff you need, you know, they have it all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the place to go. See, it's, it was a boom for them to do it. And everyone had a great attitude. They have two levels and there weren't really that much of a line there either. No, no, that was my go-to spot. Very honestly, last year, every time I needed, like you said, like I said, bottled water or uh, another toothbrush, I had a problem with one that broke or something. It was, it was not a problem getting in there and getting out pretty quickly yeah very cool well uh very cool and of course uh eso uh, last year uh we did a walkthrough video exactly. so that's that should help you get around the the con hotels there's been some changes since then but the basics are still there basics are still there when we did the video we weren't sure exactly sure what was going over to america smart and such right but other than that, you know, it's it's seeing what the hotels are like. And there's even, I think somebody did one also in 2012, another video that's up on YouTube. So you can find stuff up there and, you know, to get, you know, some of your bearings early, you know, now even. so mm-hmm. Yeah. But as Kevin said, there's nothing like personal experience. So if you have a plan on what you want to do before uh, the Dragon Con, once you get there, uh, you can uh, seek out the places that you're going to want to be at before it gets really crowded. So very cool. Well, is that uh, is that about cover, Kevin? I think so. We hit all the points I had. Awesome. Well, uh, again, where can people find you when they're not listening to our show? 
If folks want some uh, more newbie information, I highly recommend they go to dragonconnewbies.org. We have links there to all kinds of uh, resources, these podcasts, our uh, popular Facebook group, and lots of other stuff. It's a great uh, jumping off point, folks, so I highly recommend checking it out. Definitely is a great group. And you've got, um, are you guys uh, set yet? I know you guys usually have some uh, get-togethers. Plans. Yes, uh, probably by next month's podcast we'll be able to share specific details. But yeah, we'll be looking at having an organized walking tour, a meet and greet, and probably an orientation session very early in con this year. Awesome. The uh, convention is being very gracious and offering us some official space to do that. Lucky you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Moving up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Well, definitely uh, look forward to that. And uh, yeah, the next time that you're on the station. So thanks again for the information. My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. And now we have with us, joining us, uh, another person uh, for the first time on the station, Zan Bowden, who's been going to DragonCon for quite some time. Zan, welcome to the station. Thank you very much. Now, um, real briefly, what uh, what's your history with DragonCon? When was your when was your first year? Two thousand three, and I became wow. an eternal member in two thousand five. Wow! So yeah, one two, and you were sold. Yep. <laughs> what was it about uh what was it about Dragon Con that really pulled you in? Um well, I'd been going to conventions for many years before that and I heard about this one from someone and I lived about 10 hours away and we were just chatting as a at a convention as you do, a small local one in my area. And they were just going on and on about how awesome it was and I was like, "Really? But I'm new to the area. I don't know anybody. Should I really drive like a whole day by myself?" And they were like, yeah, yeah, totally, just do it. So um, I did, and I never looked back. Wow. Awesome. And I understand that you have not only attended, but you've, of course, uh, dressed up in costume? Uh, yes, I'm an award-winning costumer. Wow, very awesome. Awesome. Now, do you have a, a set costume that people might know you by uh, that, you go, that you use every year? Um, well, for the last few years, a uh, few years, I've done variations on an R2-D2 outfit. Last year, I was the very last marcher in the Dragon Con parade, and that version of my R2-D2 outfit was a bridal outfit, a Jewish bridal outfit. Oh, very R2 cool. R2-D2. Very nice. And then I also uh, did Grumpy Cat last year, and there was a sign that said, I went to Dragon Con, it was awful. And I passed the sign around so people could put their face in it and take a picture of them doing their best grumpy cat face. <laughs> Very nice. Well, um, the reason that we wanted to talk to you specifically, the, the topic anyway for this uh, for this episode is um, about, you know, the, the struggle. If you don't have a room, if you haven't got a hotel, if you haven't managed to stay in one of the host hotels and get a room there, um, what are your options? And uh, I understand that you've got some experience with this. Uh, yes. My first couple years, I stayed in the Atlanta hostel when I went to Dragon Con alone and didn't know anybody. But then over time, you meet people and make friends. And I started staying in host hotels. And so I've been staying. I stayed in the Hyatt for a few years. And for the last couple of years, I've stayed in the Marriott. So I've always gotten a host hotel room, not only for myself, but usually for two or three uh, groups of my friends each year. So not only do I get host hotel rooms for myself, I get them for other people. Wow. And and is this now by doing this, is this something that you do right when the, the hotels put the uh, rooms available or is it later on that you have uh, acquired the skills to get rooms like that? Both. 
I take off the day for the reservation of the hotel I want. And if I don't get what I want, because you don't always get your plan A, sure. then I have a plan B and I have something to trade. So sometimes if I don't get what I wanted right away, like this year my hotel opened second, um, so I booked a room at my plan B hotel first because that reservation opened first. And then when I didn't get one at my plan A hotel, I traded for it by knowing how to transfer a reservation. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about transferring rooms. And if, you, if you're if you not able to attend, what you do with your room or the best uh, options that you have, um, is it something that you should go somewhere online? Is, are there places that you should – there are good places to go online to do that or – well, I've written an article at the DragonCon Wiki, so you can Google DragonCon Wiki Hotels, and a link should come up uh, that says Hotels, and you click on that, and then there's a section uh, for um, for how to transfer a hotel room, and I wrote that section. Is um, it, uh, it Now, does it vary depending on which hotel you're going to stay at, or is it pretty much a, a general rule? Um, Well, like I said, I've only stayed recently at the Hyatt and the Marriott, so definitely part of this process is talking to whatever hotel you're referring to. And as you know, the policies for each hotel uh, regarding deposits and transfers, much like the policies for just getting your ticket to Dragon Con, can change from year to year. And the hotels can, you know, change their policies throughout the year, and sometimes they don't even notify you. Um, So... The most important thing to know about transferring a room is that most official sources and confirmation emails from the hotels will say rooms are not transferable. So when you're talking to the hotel room staff, um, which you're probably going to have to do because if you can't transfer it online because they technically don't allow transfers, you're going to get on the phone and talk somebody into transferring it without actually using the word transfer. It's like a game. So the way you do that, would you like me to go into specifics? Of course. Yes. Okay. So specifically, um, the way you're going to do it is directly call um, the hotel number itself. So not the 800 number, but get the direct line with the 404 area code and ask to speak to in-house reservations. And here's where it gets a little tricky. You might want to ask for somebody who is experienced with Dragon Con reservations Um, maybe there's somebody who's in charge of Dragon Con reservations at that specific hotel. You may want to get that name of that person and talk to them. I recommend calling between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Nobody wants to talk before coffee, and nobody wants to talk five minutes before they're leaving work. And this could take a few minutes, so set aside some time for this. Um, And then... What you're going to tell them is you're not going to say you're going to transfer the room. What you'll say is that you would like to add an additional name to your room. So you're going to add the name of the person that is going to take over your reservation. Then after that's done, you're going to give the reservation number, which there's probably a pass key number and a reservation number for the hotel, and those could be two different things. You're going to give that to the person you're giving the room to. Then that person calls the hotel and replaces their credit card information with yours. Then you're going to call the hotel back and verify your credit card number isn't on file anymore. Before you do all this, you're going to want to get the money taken care of. 
a lot of times now they do take out non-refundable deposits at the time of booking. So before you give your room away to somebody, possibly an internet stranger, um, make sure that you have the money that you have already paid for the room. If you cancel the room, it does not go back into the DragonCon block. The next person who gets it is going to pay the full rate. This is why you want to transfer because it allows you both to have the best price. Ah, uh, yes, uh, very well done. Actually, um, I actually did end up transferring. Um, I actually got that's how I got a room at the Marriott last year was uh, somebody didn't need it, and that's the way. That's exactly the way we did it. Um, uh, he added me as a uh, person in the room uh, that had uh, 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 that could you know charge and all that um, that had the rights to do that. And then um, his name was still on there when I stayed there, but of course he was not there. Yeah. Now, sometimes by leaving more names on the room, you risk being charged more because sometimes the more people on the room, the more they'll charge. Oh, right. It, it's up to you to decide if, you know, you can always remove the person's name when you check in and discuss the bill then. You might want to keep their name on the room uh, just in case. Um, another really, really important thing I cannot emphasize enough, um, especially if you heard about the Hyatt debacle this year with a lot of rooms being canceled unexpectedly is when deposits come out of rooms, um, they charge whatever credit card number is on file. And sometimes they have taken the deposit out before they were supposed to. Your credit card information isn't up to date and your room gets canceled. So the way you prevent that is before the booking day happens, so about like a month before, um, make sure that you have a credit card with an expiration date of October of the year of convention of the year of the convention or later. So for this year, you would have wanted to book your room with a credit card with the expiration date of October 2014 or later. When you're booking for next year, you want it to be October 2015 or later. If you don't have that, call your bank and have them issue a new credit card with a new expiration date. It'll take a couple weeks, but they'll send you one. And that way, unless you cancel your credit card because of, say, the Target breach, you don't have to worry about your credit card expiring halfway through the year. You forget they go to take out a deposit or do an additional charge that they weren't, that they weren't supposed to because a mistake happens, and they just automatically cancel your um, reservation. They don't call you to go, hey, do you want to update your credit card? They just cancel it because they can resell it at a higher rate. Right. Now, is there a difference between uh, when you put down a deposit, is there a difference between using a credit card and using a debit card? Um, that I don't know. Okay. I've always just used a credit card. I don't have experience with the debit card. Yeah, I've, I've heard that in some cases, like if you use a debit card, it's charged right away, whereas if you use uh, a credit card, it's charged later. But I'm not sure if that's accurate. It might depend on the hotel, so. Um, so, yeah, but if you're using a credit card with an expiration date of October or later, then it doesn't matter. What matters is your card is valid whenever they decide to charge it, which may or may not be when they said they were going to. Right. Um, right. You know, this happens every year. It's not just the Hyatt this year. It's happened in the past at the Marriott. Um, that's also another good way to get a room. Keep track of when the deposits come out. And if you don't have a room and you're willing to pay the full non-Dragon Con rate because you're going to pack 10 people in there and sleep in the bathtub, then um, call when deposits are coming out because that's when people are losing rooms. That's when you can scoop one up for yourself. Gotcha. 
Any any other tips for uh, how to get a a, a room late? Um, well, I'll give you some links in the show notes. I know a lot of them you've already talked about in terms of online communities that you can join. Um, also, if you're there's a there's a DragonCon Live Journal community. Um, I know you've talked about the Facebook groups. But there's also another option people might want to consider, and that is don't get your own room. Join in on somebody else's and be someone's roommate, and I have experience with that too. Yeah, then that sounds like it might be for a lot of people kind of a, a tricky situation. So, uh, like, yeah, please talk a little bit about that and, you know, obviously the, 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 the way to go about it that obviously is safe. Right. Yeah. Um, that you're right. That's exactly what you want to do. You definitely need to vet your roommates. And the first thing you need to know is your budget and the dates you want to stay. If you want to stay Friday through Monday, um, you know, you don't want to stay with somebody who only needs a room for Saturday and Sunday. The first thing you want is a roommate who wants to stay the exact same dates you are so that you're all paying the same amount. And what's the point of getting roommates if you still end up having to pay twice the cost? So um, that would be the first thing. And then also, of course, most people are going to reach out to their friends, see if you can room with any of your friends. Um, if you can't do that, then there are, again, online communities, such as the oldest one I'm aware of is the Dragon Con Rooms Live Journal community. And that one um, isn't maybe as active as it used to be, but what it does have is a very well-maintained community with lists of people in order of people who want rooms or roommates. So you can literally just go down the list and reply or sending an email is even better to people who are looking for the exact same thing that you are or who have a room and need roommates. I've used it to find roommates since I've always had a room and then I have kind of an email template set up where I introduce myself and mention things like, um, bed space versus floor space. Some people will charge less for floor space. Um, I charge the same for either one. Whoever's last in the room, they get floor space. How much space are you going to need? Um, are you a costumer? Are you a 501st member? Do you need a lot of space? Um, and then your health issues, smoking and drinking. Um, what are you comfortable with in terms of a roommate? The Hyatt is a great hotel for smokers because they have balconies. And sleeping habits. Um, are you going to stay up really night late? Are you going to get up really early? Do you need to have the music on at night as you sleep? Or do you sleep too quiet with earplugs? Um, morning habits. You know, you, got, you all have to have time to get in the shower. How hot do you want the room to be? How are you going to arrange to meet up? And most importantly, how are you going to arrange payment? Uh, some people will want to do will ask you online for all of the money up front, which I don't do because I think that's asking a little bit of somebody that you've never met in person. So I talk to all my roommates on the phone. I ask for a non-refundable deposit up front, and I tell my roommates that you don't get the deposit back if you cancel. You get it back when I replace you as a roommate because if somebody cancels last minute, then everybody else has to pay more. So I tell everybody to budget as if someone's going to cancel, and I incentivize them so that if they do have to cancel, they cancel right away so that they increase their odds of getting their deposit back by telling me right away that they've canceled. 
Um, and then I get the rest of the money in cash before I give them their room key. Some people will say, well, can I pay with my credit card at the end of the stay? And I think you should get all the money in cash or PayPal or euros or whatever you want, gold press platinum, um, <laughs> up front, bit, Bitcoin, if you want to live on the edge. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I want to get that all up front before I give you your room key because what if you spend all your money in the dealer's room? And then you're paid up and you can leave whenever you want and you don't have to worry about any of the other roommates, you know, not paying you at the end of the stay and then everybody else has to pay more. Um, I also mentioned to people that really, because anymore, you're really budgeting for two Dragon Cons. You're budgeting for this year, and you have to have your non-refundable deposit ready to book for next year. So you really can't plan too far ahead. As far as finding the roommate, now, have you done it where um, you, obviously, it sounds like you're most experienced with when you control the room. Have you, uh, you know, been someone else's roommate where they've controlled the room? Uh, yes, many times. Not for gotcha. Dragon Con, though. I've done gotcha. that for smaller, more local conventions. Gotcha. Um, but for Dragon Con, I've always been able to get a room. Uh, and for smaller, more local conventions, I've, you know, I've had the experience that a lot of people have had where, you know, you think your room environment is going to be one way and it turns out to be a little different. And so that's why I think knowing what you want and just open, honest communication on both ends is really good. You know, if you are somebody that doesn't want to be around a group of heavy drinkers for the whole weekend, then just be upfront about that. Yeah. Well, you probably shouldn't come to Dragon Con then. No, just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> well, I've, I've had roommates that don't drink, and I don't drink every year. Uh, some years I do. And so right. in my room, the, um, the expectation is the parties outside, our room is a sanctuary. But some people love to have parties in their room. And sure. if that's going to be happening in your room until 6 a.m., you just want to know that ahead of time. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, it, I mean, it does uh, definitely some smart tips uh, because it does sound like it, it is kind of daunting, like, you know, especially rooming with a bunch of people that, you know, you're, you don't know. Yeah, I keep it single gender. Um, I only have women as roommates. Um, I know some people who will accept mixed gender if, say, they're part of a couple or, you know, all men will do it. And then it's it's different if you know somebody or if you know somebody who knows somebody and there's some accountability there. Right. Most of my experience has been rooming with people that I've never met before. And so we emailed back and forth a couple times and then we talked on the phone. And then we stayed in communication, and it's always worked out great. And you've probably uh, got some pretty good friends and made some new experiences because of it. Um, yeah, there's actually something I can't talk about this week, um, <laughs> but maybe if I'm a guest in a future podcast, I do have a couple stories related to that. Oh, cool. I, I think that might be a challenge. Room. I was <laughs> never in that room, I promise. You might have to do that at Dragon Con After Dark episode. So, yeah, I mean, I'd I just like to state for the record, I have both my kidneys and I've never woken up in a bathtub of ice. <laughs> well, That's what well, we that... call winning. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I'm ahead of the game. I'm doing something right. <laughs> 
Oh, very cool. Well, so it definitely seems like, okay, so if you don't have uh, a room in the host hotel or if you want to stay close to the action, but it seems kind of daunting as far as price, at this point there are other there are options um, still uh, with two months to go. Uh, and just uh, look for, and we'll have links to Hotel Connection, the Live Journal, uh, Dragon Con Rooms, et cetera. And, of course, uh, you know, you're welcome to send us any other links so that we can uh, help people out as well on that. I know that uh, a lot of the Facebook, um, especially if you're interested in a specific track, like you're going to spend a lot of time, say, in the Star Wars track, it's probably a good idea to go to, you know, their Facebook group, their Twitter account, get to know those members, too, because they might have lines on on people who need roomies as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, also, one other thing, if you'd like to discuss, we don't sure. have to if you don't want to, is if you lose your reservation, how to get it back. Gotcha. Did you have an article on that? Um, I don't have an article on that, but that's something that I, I've, I gave a lot of people um, advice this year when they lost their Hyatt reservations and they were just devastated and didn't know what to do. And I gave advice and a couple of my friends did get their room back. Would you like me to talk about that? Uh, yes, yeah, if you want to, yes real quick. I would. Okay. <laughs> so um, in my day job, I often deal with cus- with companies with horrible, horrible customer service. So I have some experience at this. Um, So the first thing you need to know is you're going to need to set aside, if you lose your reservation, whether it is your fault because your credit card expired and you didn't realize it, or it's totally not your fault because a mistake happened on their end that they're not going to admit, but you know it's their fault. Um, Just You need to set aside time. Again, call the hotel directly, not their 800 number. Call their 404 local Atlanta number between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And document everything. So have the information, your reservation number, when you booked it, what credit card you used, have all that when you call them and ask to speak to somebody experienced in the Dragon Con reservations and just calmly explain that a mistake was made and that you need your reservation back. And if they say they can't do it, ask to speak to somebody else, ask to speak to their supervisor, find out who's in charge of the Dragon Con reservations. And basically, just keep talking to somebody until somebody can help you. You can also go on their Facebook page for that particular hotel um, and find out who is the most senior person you can talk to that can help you. And I know it's very frustrating, but stay calm and professional and just state the facts. Here's what happened. Here's the information. I want my room back. How can you make that happen? Because anybody that's worked in customer service knows that if you lose it or start screaming, no matter how justified you are, they're just going to transfer hang up on you, as they should. But, you know, nobody wants to be verbally abused all day. Yeah, I know that there was a definite issue with that. So that's uh, helpful information. And, and you know, we've uh, I, even not just with what happened with the Hyatt, too, but I can remember – uh, last year when one of the hotels, uh, something happened and they weren't able to, uh, fulfill a lot of, uh, rooms last year. I think it was last year. Maybe it was the year before. I don't know. It gets so confusing, but anyway, it's not uncommon. it It happens every year at a lot of different hotels for various reasons. So it's good to know because you can do everything right and it can still happen to you. Yes. 
Well, very cool. Well, we definitely appreciate the information. For people who have more questions or if they'd like to, you know, ask you directly um, or um, if is there some read the articles, we're going to have some links that you provided for us with our show notes as well. But do you have some place online where people can uh, or that you frequent or that people can contact you? Um, well, I'm. I run the Dragon Con Eternal Members group, which is a very small group because there aren't that many Eternal members. So I'm in there. Um, I'm also in Kevin Batchelder's Dragon Con Newbies group. I post there, the main Facebook page. Also, um, I'm in Michelle's group, Drop by Dragon Con, and I know you interviewed her recently. Yes, we did. Um, uh, I'm also in the Dragon Con forums group which will be in the show notes they also have a section on um finding roommates so i'm just generally in a lot of groups my screen name is zan skzb and i usually have a ladybug icon okay very cool well definitely and certainly you know uh we'll have uh, as much information or try to help out as much as possible for anybody who has questions as well so they can contact us here at the at the station as well so very cool well definitely thanks very much for the information and of course we look forward to seeing you at uh at dragon con do you have a a a new r2d2 or new costume uh that you're going to debut this year uh, well, like many people, I've had ideas, but I haven't really started much of anything yet. I have a couple <laughs> things. I might be trying a Daenerys outfit um, and putting a couple other things together. Uh, for the first time this year, I'm thinking of costuming on Wednesday because I'm on Team Wednesday now. Um, so I Wednesday? might be needing a couple Wednesday roommates myself. So I'm going to be I, on the communities looking for people who want to arrive on Wednesdays. I think Wednesday also, is the new Friday. Wednesday is the new Thursday, <laughs> Tuesday. Tuesday is the new Monday. Yeah, so it's a week long. It's a week it's long. Just, I'm, I, I've heard people are sometimes arriving on Tuesday now. It's it's gotten crazy. And uh, I'm also probably going to be um, more active in the newbies group, looking for a couple more newbies to mentor this year, because that's a thing I do every year, is take a couple newbies under my wing personally and kind of be their phone a friend and help them out. So I'm going to be posting about that. Oh, very cool. Well, we appreciate the information again, and we look forward to seeing you at DragonCon. Thank you very much. I really enjoy it. Thanks, Anne. We appreciate it. Great meeting you. Joining us now for our cosplay snapshot, we have with us Rick, a.k.a. Aquaman, who you've seen many times at DragonCon or Sailing the Seven Sweet Seas. Hey, welcome to the station, Rick. Well, welcome, guys. Welcome. Ah, so uh, let's start with the you know the first question about DragonCon. How long have you been attending DragonCon? First DragonCon, 96. 96? Okay, so you are an old school guy. Old school, yep. So now did you uh, dress up that first year? No, no. Uh, I, I went one year, took about 10 years off, and then came back in 2006. Oh, okay. Wow. That was a big time off. So, so when you went in, uh, in 96, was it just like not your thing or? Uh, actually it was by accident. I was up, uh, I was in Atlanta for something completely different. I see. I see. And, but you were impressed enough. Now, when you came back in 2006, were you, were you in full costume then? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's when I was. How, how long have you been costuming? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm a, I'm a big Hollywood or a, Halloween fan, so I've always been a big uh, Halloween costumer. That was kind of my big deal for the year. 
So I want to say as a little kid, I mean, I was the guy who, you know, I didn't just buy the, the plastic masks. I actually went and found the special effects makeup books and I was putting on the, uh, the crepe, uh, crepe hair on the face and doing the wolf man. I was doing uh, crazy thing. Uh, did full members of Kiss, the band Kiss, with some friends of mine. I think when I was age twelve. Um, by fifteen, I was doing Terminator. Uh, at seventeen, I did a full-on uh, Pinhead from Hellraiser. So my entire adolescence was costumes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, now how now of course you're really associated with Aquaman. Yes. Uh, uh, was that a character that you've always enjoyed? Um, actually, no, it was, it was actually kind of a fluke. Uh, a friend of mine actually talked me into becoming Aquaman. I had been doing Iron Man at the time and for charity work, but it was becoming a little cumbersome to do because my Iron Man suit is about 85 pounds of solid resin. Wow. And, um, so it's truly an armored suit. When I walk around, I sound like RoboCop, um, <laughs> literally. So, um, and, and she was like, you know, you know, you got the blonde hair, you got the blue eyes, you got the stature for it, um, and, and you, you should be Aquaman. That would be perfect for you. And I said, eh, I him and hawed a little bit about it. I said, yeah, just like everyone else thought at the time. It's like, you know, he's 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 kind of a second stringer, and um, you know, he's not he's not Iron Man. Um, and so I went ahead and had the suit commissioned uh, by an amazing costumer, Tawanda. Uh, Chandler of Tawanda Creation and um, put it on and got instant, you know, success. It was it was a big hit. A lot of people could see it. And uh, and then it, the more I researched the character, the more I realized I had a lot to do with the Aquaman character in my own life. Um, I had been a water baby my entire life, been around the water um, as a kid. I had my own backyard swimming pool. Spent you know hours upon hours swimming underwater. Um, I developed uh, breath holding capabilities to four and a half minutes. So, so I was already doing that. I became a scuba diver at age 17. Um, and today I'm a, I'm an instructor with three different agencies. I've done recreational diving, law enforcement, military diving, commercial diving. So I've spent, uh, I think at last check, I've logged over 5,000 hours underwater. Wow. Yes. So definitely you qualify. Yeah. Um, so, um, I'm a, I'm a, a former triathlete. I'm a retired triathlete. Um, so I've, I've done two Ironman triathlons. So swimming is obviously a big aspect to that. Uh, I swam around Key West, uh, 13 miles in four and a half hours. So I'm, I'm no stranger to the water. So, so and then for 13 years, I worked for Walt Disney World as a professional scuba diver in the Living Seas, which is the, at the time the second largest aquarium in the world. That is very cool. Yes. So, so yeah. So I have kind of a, a kinship to the to the water, and so people just said, you know, you look like Aquaman. You kind of spend a lot of time in the water. Uh, maybe you kind of are Aquaman. <laughs> I've noticed that I've seen your uh, I've seen you as in, in two different Aquaman costumes. One is the traditional, almost the Super Friends one with the orange uh, tight shirt, as well as and then the green pants. And then there's the more elaborate sort of Aquaman armor, the Atlantean armor, yeah. um, yeah. which was really looked impressive with all the photo shots that you t- you guys took at the aquarium last year. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that I 
Um, it was first labeled as medieval Aquaman, um, but I quickly tried to tell people, no, it's actually King Aquaman. Um, Atlantis is kind of a, a place without a time. So wearing armor today would still be relevant in Atlantis, whereas it's not going to be, you know, today we'd see it as, you know, medieval. But, um, but yeah, that, I, I call it the King Aquaman armor. But I, to be honest, I actually have five different Aquaman costumes. Really? Okay, wow. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, six if you want to c- consider uh, a modification I made and made one of them into Mermaid Man. So, wow. Oh, that's awesome from SpongeBob. Yes, yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of kids come up to me going, "Are you the Mermaid Man?" And you know, and at first I got really upset about it because it's like, "Do I have a starfish on my face?" No. Um, <laughs> but uh, Young Mermaid Man is actually just an offshoot of Aquaman, and and I do a lot of charity work, and yeah. because of that, I sometimes deal with very small children. And they're not going to get Aquaman. He's he's a little too mainstream for them. But they watch SpongeBob. So I said, you know, if I'm going to use this character and I want to be around small kids for charity work, why not do Mermaid Man? And uh, and I got a friend of mine who does Barnacle Boy. So we we do a good duo. That that's very awesome. I now I mean even you said at the beginning you had some reservations about you know costuming as Aquaman because of his sort of reputation with the super friends and all that. Now, when you're out and about, do you hear any of that? Do pe- or do people actually just go, wow, that's awesome? Now they do. Now they do. When I first started, I got some, uh, some people who, were, who gave me a little bit of slack or anytime there was a photo shoot, it'd be like, okay, Aquaman, in the back. And, um, but I, I got real fortunate this time in, in place with uh, the New 52 uh, the new 52 right. was a great resurgence for Aquaman. Uh, I cannot, cannot stress enough how amazing issue one was to put a lot of people jokes to rest because it, it, it hit it straight on about him talking to fish and, um, and his whole inability to fight crime on land. Um, and in fact, the first, I think 10 pages of the comic, had had made a lot of new true believers that Aquaman was actually pretty cool. Well, yes. exactly. All you need to do right now is just say, thank you, Jeff Johns. <laughs> but then also thank you, Brave and the Bold, too. Yeah. Yes, yes. Outrageous. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, as of right now, I do. I've, I've got six different uh, Aquaman costumes. I've got the classic Aquaman, which is the one with the low cut front and the black briefs. Um, I've got the, the new 52 style, which of course is the high collar version. I've got the, um, Smallville, um, version. Right. Uh, let's see. I've got, uh, Black as Night, which I did at Dragon Con, uh, the full skull makeup, thanks to, uh, Nick Wolf. Uh, and again, the whole costume again was done by Tawanda Chandler. And then, um, I had, um, the, of course, King Aquaman and then Mermaid Man. Gotcha. That's a, that's, Yes. Now, now it's time to break out the blue the blue bodysuit that you had for like two seconds. <laughs> Tempest, no, I'm not really. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's that. The funny thing is, is Tawanda actually works for SeaWorld as a um, as a costume designer, so so she's very familiar with that style of suit. Oh right, sure. Performers, and uh, she asked, "Do you want me to make that?" No, I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that. I'll pass. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, very cool. Well, uh, in addition to uh, the uh, many uh, versions of Aquaman that you have, uh, I know that you also, that's not the only thing you do in, at, at DragonCon, correct? Oh, no, I've got 40 different costumes. 40? Yes. Wow. And that's over the course of, so is that 10 a day, really? Um, no, I don't wear them all at, at DragonCon. Um, oh, gotcha. I okay. I was going to say, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I have 40 in my collection. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So, uh, how many? How many on average do you usually break out for DragonCon? For DragonCon, I, I I tend to bring ten or eleven, and yeah. I try to do about three to four a day. Now, do you break out anything? Uh, do you always try to have a new one for DragonCon, or I, I do, I do. Um, this year, um, I'm going to be breaking out a newer version of the New Fifty Two. Um, I've got a. I'm going to be modifying the King Aquaman armor for some photo shoots. Um, going to be doing a different variant using the armor itself um let's see i did david eight last year from prometheus and i'm going to do another version of him at dragon con this year so those are those are three of my the new ones i'm bringing to the table this year very cool and now i know that uh dragon con's not the only convention that you do all year um would you say it's one of your favorites though it is it is i mean that that's the one i truly call my vacation Ah, yeah, because I do take time away from work to do that one. And um, and I tell everyone, hey, this is my one big vacation a year. I go to Dragon Con. Besides, uh, you know, doing the the costumes, is there anything else in particular that you look forward to Dragon Con? Do you do you go to panels? Do you check out any of the guests? Do you go to the parties or all the above or Um, unless I'm part of a panel, I usually don't go to the panels. Um, the parties are usually a big one for me because it gives me an opportunity to hang out with people that I haven't gotten to see all year long uh, at other conventions or, or at other events. Um, let's see some of the other big things. I like walking through um, the uh, Hero Valley area just to say, "Oh, that that star looks pretty good." Ooh, age is not doing well. You know, just kind of a. <laughs> um, although I do have a cool story with uh, Felicia Day. Um, really? Yeah, I did a I did a froggy photo with her, um, and I was in my new fifty two Aquaman, and I she had just done a photo shoot with the Guild group, and uh, and so then she moved on to doing individual shots. Well, I wound up putting myself second to the last person. I couldn't get the last person. I didn't want to give up that spot, so I was second to the last in line. And by that time, you could tell she was getting kind of worn down. It was kind of the smile, high click next. Maha high click. It happens to everybody in photo shoots. So, so she really didn't pay attention to this guy in orange and green with a trident walking up. And so I start walking up and she finally looks up, sees me and her eyes just get huge. And I walk right up to her and I say, will you be my Mira for the photo? And she went total fangirl, just melted. Nice. And um, it was so funny to watch. And then the photo was taken and I showed people the photo, and people were like, going, oh, look at that cute girl who got a photo with you, all fangirling. I said, no, that's Felicia Day. I'm taking a photo with her. And so it's kind of a cute story to see her do that. That's very cool. Yeah, we've often, you know, one of the, the, the things about Dragon Con is the celebrities come, but they, they also seem to enjoy uh, seeing the costumes, seeing the fans as well as, as the fans enjoy seeing them. True, very true. What, 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 what's something else about DragonCon that you think makes DragonCon unique and special? Oh, being a human hamster. 
Um, <laughs> well, true. You never have to leave the hotel. So now with the the, the Hamster Tunnels, um, well, I guess that's not true now with the with the um, with the um, what the, the dealer room now being across the way. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just that 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 feeling of enclosure that you never you're totally enclosed in a world of cosplay, and I mean that's something that's completely unique to Dragon Con that you will never find at another convention that actually closes at seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, Dragon Con never closes ever. And uh, um, I love Dragon Con TV. I love just kicking back for, you know, half an hour to an hour in the room and watching Dragon Con TV and just, you know, it's just so creative. Um, Oh, I don't know. The the massive photo shoots, just massive photo shoots that can be done at Dragon Con that don't seem to be able to be, accomplished at any other major convention so those are just some of them um, yeah that's those are amazing um uh, and i have not seen i've started to see some other conventions you know do some on a smaller scale but um yeah uh, um the huge huge uh amount of people that show up in costume for those massive dc or marvel or star trek photo shoots it's just and now doctor who and a lot of other fandoms uh, it's just amazing it now has a big group showing up um uh, uh what is it the um oh the guys from uh mad max group you know, oh they, right yep yep uh they've got a huge group photo shoot now so yeah it's just every time uh lord of the rings photo shoots and yeah just every fandom is getting bigger and bigger photo shoots going together and it's just cool to see all these people in, in light costume getting together and then being able to play off one another for individual little breakouts and i and also yeah the the star wars one because i i would imagine that took a little bit of a dip but now that seems to be coming back with the excitement for the new movies and everything so well and and to be honest star wars costuming is, is what got me back into it oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, well, I guess you guys don't know the back my my true backstory then, do you? Um, of what happened and why why I'm even more like Aquaman and what what brought me back into the realm of costuming uh, after my my uh, leaving it for so many years. Um, in '95, um, my son was uh, was diagnosed with leukemia um, at the age of seven. And uh, he fought for about a year and eight months and uh, unfortunately succumbed to it uh, and passed away at age eight. I'm sorry, man. Oh, that's, that's okay. It's, it's, again, it's, it's why I'm where I am right now and part of the reason why we're talking. And, um, but while he was in the hospital, he was watching Cartoon, Cartoon Network. And at the time, he started to see these little five-minute snippets of something called The Clone Wars. And this was before it was full-blown episodes. It was more like uh, Samurai Jack episodes. Right, the little animated ones oh, yeah. they were I doing. I completely yeah. remember those. Yes. And um, so he, he was like, Dad, you know, what is this Clone Wars, Star Wars stuff? I said, ah, oh, young Padawan, let me introduce you to my childhood. <laughs> you know, because, you know, I saw the original Star Wars in 77 in the theater because um, I'm that kind of an old man. Um, so... I said, all right, well, sure, I'll show you. So I started bringing in the DVDs and the players and whatnot. And he, because he had nothing but time on his hands, he began, he began to absorb Star Wars like a sponge. And um, before long, he was like, Dad, is this my Jedi Trials? And I said, you know what? Yes, this is. This is, this is what's happening. You, you are going, you're becoming a Jedi. 
you know, because I didn't want to tell him the truth. And I didn't want sure. to uh, have him understand, you know, the, that he was actually dying. And um, so I bought him Jedi robes. I bought him a FX lightsaber. And of course, you know, that wasn't good enough. So then I bought myself a Jedi master costume and I bought myself another lightsaber. I uh, started reading books on swordsmanship, meditation, um, mindfulness, um, just all these different books on 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 how to basically become a Jedi. Um, and then I would start teaching him and we would sword battle in the, in the, in the um, hospital rooms and whatnot and go around the, the whole ward in jet at Jedi and whatnot. And um, there was something called, we have something here in Orlando called star Wars weekends uh, at the Hollywood studios at Disney. Yep. And um, I wanted to take him to that, but, but every weekend I went to take him, he wound up spiking a fever and not being able to go. Well, finally, he was released back to home um, when they finally told us he wasn't going to make it and uh, put him under hospice care. And so while I was looking through some photos of Star Wars Weekend, I saw a group called the 501st that were marching in the parade. So I got on the computer and tracked them down and said, hey, would it be – would you guys be willing to come and visit him if I can't bring him to Star Wars Weekend, maybe I can bring something of Star Wars Weekend to him. And they said, sure. And I said, well, how about this date? And they said, oh, that, that conflicts with something, with another convention. Can we wait two weeks and do it in two weeks? And I said, um, sure. So unfortunately, he passed away the weekend between. Oh, man. Yeah. So, of course, you know, all the guys were all kind of saddened by that and I said well, look let's re let's regroup and instead of you being there in his life how about being there for his memorial service and be his honor guard so um so they agreed and they showed up in force um I think there were something like 35 40 different troopers and Jedi and clone troopers um that that showed up for the memorial service and so before you could walk into the chapel, you had to walk through this line of white um, troopers standing with their you know, arms and port arms. And, uh, and then during the, during the, um, the event, uh, they, at one point, they came, marched into the chapel, marched down, took seats. And then uh, the leader of the group from the local area came up and made a presentation, making him an honorary member of the 501st. Uh, in fact, his, his name is TC1219. Uh, 1219, which is his birthday, and uh, and the Rebel Legion came in, which is their sister organization, and, uh, and they made him an honorary Jedi with the with the Rebel Legion. Oh, and, that is awesome! Yeah, and to this day, I think he is the only child with an actual designation in the 501st that I'm aware of. Wow! So, so in the post event, um, the dinner—I don't know what you really call the the get together after a memorial service. Um, they made an announcement halfway through the evening and they said, you know, Rick, you know, what you've done for your son and the way you've honored him makes you the kind of person we would like. And they brought out this huge box and they gave me a kit of clone armor and, wow. and said, we would like you to become one of us. So I spent the next three months learning how to put together my own armor, um, sanding it, buckling it, spending way more time than I ever thought I would in a Joanne's fabrics. <laughs> uh, I burned through three Dremel tools, burned myself with more hot glue than I can care to mention. 
And um, my very first event with the 501st was the release of Revenge of the Sith and um, I, at the midnight premiere. And um, I was able to bring my son to Ashes, and we got to see the movie at 8 o'clock before the premiere, official premiere. We were at the manager special, and uh, my son to Ashes sat next to me as I watched the, the third movie, as I promised him I would do um, before he passed away, that I would take him to see that movie. So that sealed my fate with costuming. That is awesome. That's yeah. definitely. Thanks for sharing that story. Oh, That's uh, oh. and 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 you know um, and I can tell uh, you know now that especially now that I know that especially looking at your pictures, I don't think I've seen a picture of you yet uh, in costume where you're not smiling, grinning from ear to ear. Um, so it looks like you're definitely honoring your son's memory there. Yeah. Well, and and I and my I often say, my son didn't get to grow up, so why should I? <laughs> Good point. I love it. That is so awesome. But, um, yeah, so I went from Star Wars costuming, um, and then I joined uh, another costuming group. Um, At the time, it was called Wolfpack Elite, which used to throw some really knockdown drag-out Dragon Con parties uh, back in the day. And uh, got into doing some other costuming outside of Star Wars-based costumes with them. And uh, and then moved on to another group where I started doing superhero costumes. So it just it was just kind of an evolution from one to another to another. And um, and another thing that makes me now like Aquaman is the fact that we both understand the mourning of a dead son. Yeah, that's so, that, yeah, that's true. One more reason why people say, yeah, you are the real Aquaman. Yes, definitely. And and yes, you uh, are definitely doing it justice. I, I can't think of another a better one actually out there. So. Awesome. And I look forward to seeing you this year. Um, in the meantime, uh, where can people, um, you know, check out your pictures or uh, check out what you do online? Uh, okay. Well, on Facebook, I am The True Aquaman. And that's my fan page. Let's see. And on, um, I want to say Instagram, I'm Aquaman70. And I think on Twitter, it's The King Aquaman, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, very cool. Well, we look forward to um, checking you out in the meantime and then also seeing you this year at Dragon Con. Thank you, Mike and Mike. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks dude, for, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Take care. And now it's time to draw a close to another episode of the ESO Dragon Con 2014 special report. I want to thank Kevin Batchelder for joining us with uh, Tips for Newbies. I want to uh, also thank uh, Zan Bowden, who joined us for the first time, and also another person who joined us for the first time, Star Wars track director Brandy Rotzi. Thanks for all that information. It was good chatting with you all. And, of course, our cosplay snapshot segment, where we featured Rick, the true Aquaman. Uh, And, of course... Big thanks, as always, to our station crew. Thank you, Mary, for joining us. Yes, sir. And and Darren, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. You, you got it out of your system. Can you breathe now? Oh, I, I've been breathing. <laughs> I'm good. Awesome. And and of course, thank you, Director Faber, for which none of this would be possible. As always, it's my pleasure. <laughs> 
now we try to cover all we can with these specials, but to keep up with the latest news, please check the official Dragon Con website, their Facebook page, and all the tracks have Facebook groups, uh, Twitter accounts. Uh, there's even, as was as Zan mentioned, a Dragon Con wiki, and uh, we'll also post information on our Facebook group as well, the ESO Facebook group. If you have direct questions about anything related to Dragon Con, we'd love to help answer them. You can contact us directly or uh, also through our Facebook group. We have a Twitter account, Google+. Plus. Uh, our podcast is available on Stitcher. Uh, we want you to be part of the station, so feel free to join us in the discussion. Uh, of course, you can help the ESO podcast by donating via PayPal, purchasing very cool ESO merchandise from our Zazzle store, or filling up your cart at our Amazon e-store. And thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Gordon, it's been my pleasure, and we'll see you in two months at the con. First round's on Mike.
been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.